Today's episode of Laced Up a Hockey Podcast is sponsored by Smoke and Mirrors Media. Smoke and Mirrors Media is a creative media production company specializing in photography and videography. Their services provide creative content for clients that offer extraordinary advertising and exposure opportunities that will help any size and type of business stand out from the competition. Whether you're a struggling artist with a small budget or a successful business with some extra cash, Smoke and Mirrors Media can take your venture to the next level. Professional photography offers your websites and brochures and social media outlets the opportunity to shine. Professional videography creates an opportunity to allow potential customers and clients to get an in-depth look into your unique venture. Smoke and Mirrors doesn't just deal with commercial shoots but also private accounts as well. Wedding and engagement photos, family portraits, and even more can be available through Smoke and Mirrors and nobody does it better. Visit smokeandmirrorsmedia.ca for more information and follow at smokeandmirrors.media on Instagram and get started today. Please enjoy this week's show. Man, talk radio. Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. Face off. He leaves shot. He just missed wide. Now back in front. For Friday, April 23rd, 2021, it's the Laced Up Hockey Podcast, and uh, I'm James Cole, and this is not a fun week to talk about hockey, but we're going to do it anyway, because we owe we owe it to our fans, we owe it to the people who are our fans, that's, that's all we owe it to. Yeah, happy uh, belated uh, Earth Day, everybody. I'm Brutes fucking Bataglia. Hey, I did an Earth uh, Day thing today. Day today. Thing. Sure, let's hear it. I did an Earth Day thing today. That's great, buddy. What would what'd you do? Fucking water the lawn? I took my uh, empty beer bottles back, and I did not know it was Earth Day. Um, my my image of Earth Day has forever been taunted by, uh, and I know you're not a fan of the show, but the joke on The Office of uh, Dwight dressing up as Recyclops one year and he, he comes into the office as Recyclops and he's basically a, a, a Cyclops that preaches to be good to the earth and shit like that and he just like starts trying to like teach everyone about Earth Day the one year and every year he gets progressively more mad at everyone in the office and everyone on planet earth to the point where by like season six he's no longer like a happy person who's like teaching you to throw out your trash. He like just comes in and he's like throwing out like metal staplers and fucking like anything that's just like terrible. Uh, you know what I mean? For the environment. And then it gets to a point where he doesn't even care if it's good or bad for the environment. He's just now like a hell bent uh, robot sent to the planet to destroy planet earth. Like it, it turns him mad against planet earth. Um, so I can't, I can't think of Earth Day without thinking of Recyclops. Happy birthday, Recyclops. There you go. Um, 
yeah, I had no idea it was Earth Day, and I walk in. And oh, the, sorry, I thought that was your story. No, no, that's all. Good. <laughs> um, the the guy, hijacked guy behind the, the the guy behind the counter was uh, all sorts of hippie, like not in a bad yeah. way, just like very long hair, living yeah. free, having a good time, and hey, man, you getting any beer today? And I said, uh, nope, not today. It was strictly just a get the empties out of the house type of type of run. And uh, he goes, that's fantastic, man. You got 610 coming back to you. Thanks for recycling. Happy Earth Day. And I was taken aback a bit, and I, I, I didn't react, mm. uh, you know, well. I just said, thank you, and I left. And then I thought to myself, is it fucking Earth Day? Because <laughs> I, you know, like, it yeah. must be. Because I just, I don't know. It, I got home, and uh, I asked my... Uh, my stepmother and she said the same thing like oh i thought it was on a wednesday like i thought it was on a wednesday too man but apparently this year we're changing things up so all right all right like it's not again like there's no reason that you have to know this but you guys thought that earth day was like easter where it's just like it falls on a certain day of the week not a number of date because it's always april 22nd i didn't know that that's fine I mean, uh, I'm, I not, I'm like not chirping you for not April. I just, that's, that's interesting. I've never heard that theory where, where I like Earth Day, I don't think has earned the right, or sorry, uh, 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 other way around. Earth Day has earned the right to be its own date, I think, rather than just being a, a recycled part of the month each year, you know, like, like, mm-hmm. like Ash Wednesday. And I'm just chirping Easter here, really. Um, you know, like it's, it's earned the right to be, it's like Christmas. It, it's earned its right to have a day. I think I th- I think Earth on the only planet that cares about our calendar has earned the right to at least one of our 365 days. The other that's, 364 that's... you you treat it like a, a like a landfill and that's fine literally. Oh yeah. Um but happy that's, Earth that's Day. That's pretty fair. I I can get a board with that. Yeah. Uh yeah that's 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 the Earth Day episode of the podcast. We're going to talk about all things to do with um, the environment, how you can do your part to fix the oceans and ignore the fact that we're sucking up all sorts of electricity right now to make this fucking podcast happen. Wow. Yeah. My, my room is just a hot bed of electricity because like the, the internet's hooked up in my room too. Like everything's in here. It's literally just a, a, a it's like a grid. Um, I was going to ask you though. For heating or are you just turn all your stuff on in your room and, and heat the house that See, way. And here's the other problem is my room is located uh, directly above the furnace. So it, it mm. gets, it gets the primary, the primary heat and the room is small and I spend a lot of time in here and I have a lot of electronics in here. Uh, and I'm someone who likes a very cold room. Like I like an ice shack and my room is not that for sure. The fan, my fan, there's a fan in this room that is on, because uh, I, I can't live in here otherwise. So thank you for joining us on the horrors of Brutes' room. Um, I have zero segue from horrors of Bruce's room to our first topic. Bruce's room? Um, I say no, Bruce? that's fine. I'll, I'll be Bruce Battaglia. Bruce Battaglia. I'll be Bruce um, Patrick Marlowe. We, we talked about it last yeah. episode about how he was... Uh, Tying the record, well, it's official now. He's got the record. Uh, I believe it was uh, Tuesday night. He set the uh, games played record in the NHL. 
with his 1,768th game played, surpassing the uh, the great Gordie Howe. We, we talked a little bit about, you know, the record itself and, and, and all that stuff and what it meant. There's a couple things that, that we want to discuss about, uh, about the achievement. And I'll start off by asking first off, did, did you see any of the game? I don't think it was televised for whatever reason, but uh, I know you got the, the, the package, I believe. Yeah, I got the package. I didn't, uh, I didn't watch the game that night for whatever reason. I, 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 I don't remember what I did. I mean, I, I can only intake so much hockey in a week too. Right. Um, so it was just one of those nights where I, I didn't feel like watching the game. I mean, I mean, it was planning all day to watch that game and I never did, but I saw the highlights of, um, the opening face off and everything like that. And, um, yeah, so I saw clips of it anyway. I didn't actually watch it. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to catch it either. Like I said, it wasn't televised. So I, I, I planned on watching it, but I, I kind of missed out, uh, on being able to take part in that. I mm-hmm. thought it was really nice that the, uh, the Marlowe's, the 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 mar yeah i guess that's that's correct the marlows were there sounds like a sounds like i'm talking about a vineyard or something but uh, they, yeah. they were in attendance Merlot. for the first time this season to to see patrick play in in las vegas i thought the i thought the golden knights did a great job by the way too like just as as an aside i, I thought they were really classy about it considering that that is probably their biggest rival in their very brief um existence in the the nhl landscape uh thought they did a fantastic job I thought Gary Bettman was uh, a little much, which doesn't normally happen. Oh, uh, and a lot, a lot of his public appearances are short and sweet. Speaking of things that don't normally happen, uh, I didn't see anything about Gary Bettman. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, uh, yeah, he rambled for like ten minutes on a like a pre-recorded message. Okay, talking about Is that like, like the... actually ten minutes, or are you exaggerating? No, it, it was well. Maybe not quite ten minutes, but it was like it was lengthy. Like <laughs> over over three and a half. Oh yeah. Oh, that's a while. Yeah, that's it, a while. It was, it was I mean, really like, weird. I realize that sounds ridiculous, considering you and I are probably going to spend more than three and a half minutes talking about Patrick Marlowe right now. Like well over, like more more than Gary Bettman spent. Um, but like that that's a weird amount of time to send out a congratulations for said record. I would I would think to be honest with you. Yeah, like we've seen it in the past, especially like under normal circumstances, Gary Bateman would be there in person to do this type of thing. It's not unprecedented for him to come out and, and make a statement about a record or, or accomplishment like that, but just very over the top in terms of what we needed out of the commissioner at that you know given moment. Especially the fact that you're you're playing to a, a, a arena with what like not quite ten percent capacity. Mm. <laughs> Uh, a couple thousand people in the building. Uh, it just, you know what, just, you know, good, good for you, Patty, uh, you know, way to be resilient and, and let's all move on. So well, he was avoid... happy that he wasn't getting booed for once. I think was, he was just looking for the chance to talk. Now that you said, I don't know if, if there were any boos. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I imagine nobody, there would have been. Nobody but... cared. It was a Monday night in, in the middle of the season. It gives a shit. Now that they've, now that they've got that power to pump in fake, crowd noises the he probably took it full advantage of that and just said just play the clap track and yeah. you know someone uh someone at the league office taught gary how to use the aux cord before the game so he's fucking putting on whatever crowd noise he wanted so my my, my next question i guess is um probably self-explanatory on the surface but uh i don't think we actually got into it last episode and stop me if we did because honestly uh this this week has been hell for me i'm i'm a little 
little fried upstairs, but is everything um, good, my guy? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just, just <laughs> okay for 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 someone that's living in a, a lockdown state of uh, of a province, it's it's been a busy week for whatever reason. But it happens, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like there, I, I I you know what I I would say I've had overall uh, a busy month considering i have actual and i'm not exaggerating i have not done anything uh it's got to be over a month now other than go to work and come home but like you got to do things at home every once in a while you gotta you know you gotta get groceries like things take up time i i get it 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 uh it, it happens it's a weird thing to say that you're busy in this day and age but but people get busy what uh you're you're done school now i think hey eh? Yeah, that was that was the big one. Um, last uh, last exam of the of the year submitted uh, just moments before we got on the uh, the record tonight. So, so you're uh, what what like what what is going to occupy? What what are you going to do with your time? Because now you have time. I got a little bit of time now. Yeah, it's going to be weird. Um, I've I've applied to to pick up another another job for the summer. So maybe okay. maybe that'll help fill some of that time that we're talking about but Fine. uh beyond that look i'm just waiting for those vaccines to get in the arms and for us to get out into the bars and yeah. for us to all just hug as a community because i think that's healthy uh you know post vaccination not not currently that's probably not the healthiest move um my, uh, my but, mother uh, got her uh, her plan. first shot this week and uh oh, fantastic I, I will say this, like from what I understand, they're the the actual people there are doing uh, doing a pretty good job. But like, there 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 are a lot of flaws in the system for the vaccinations. I would say for sure, it's uh, it's uh, in our in our medical system on how they're rolling it out. I guess is what I would say because uh, they're just. I, she was telling me all the things and uh, different ways you can you can get in. I mean, she didn't like she got in honestly, but like. It doesn't sound like it's it's too hard to get a vaccine, considering how hard they've made it seem that it is to get a vaccine. I don't know. It's, it's, it's uh, interesting. It seems like they don't do a lot of uh, checking around, is what I'm getting at. Mm. Because, uh, like, she got in under a circumstance of, um, like, she she's technically a, a, a caregiver, and so is her sister for members of our family. And, uh, like, they didn't look into that. They just took took your word for it. I thought that was oh, weird. Like, I'm just yeah. like I don't like I'm not expecting you to do home visits for a vaccine. Like <laughs> it was just kind of you know what I mean. Like it was just like I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. They didn't have armed guards at the entrance protecting the vials. I mean, it does feel so dystopian lately that that would make sense. But yeah, uh, it's funny you say that because I've got like a couple family members with some health issues, and like for example, I've got. I've got one uncle, you know him. Um, he's he's a cancer survivor. Oh, he's he's over sixty, and mm-hmm. he's got some other issues that all independently would render him eligible on their own. But collectively, you'd think, wow, this guy's probably near the top of the list. And he he has booked and been canceled on three different times for a for a vaccination appointment. He's supposed to go next week, wow. so hopefully that sticks but you're right it, there there's something fishy going on in terms of uh, who can go and who can't and it's just shocking like i don't i don't want to complain too much because we literally just sat here for a year wondering 
like how long it was going to take to get vaccines going. And like, I personally thought it was going to be years. I am honestly shocked that we already have a vaccine and everything like that. So I'm not complaining, but it is genuinely shocking when you think about the amount of people that you know, and that everyone knows that personally know that should be vaccinated by now, just to kind of get, you know, society somewhat moving forward that are like not even close to being fully vaccinated. You know what I mean? Like no one, no one in my family is fully vaccinated. Everyone's got one shot, not two. And I'm the only, actually, I'm the only one who doesn't have a shot yet. And they were all, we were all chirping my aunt at Easter. We did a socially distanced thing outside. We were all chirping her about how she was going to be the last one to get vaccinated. She got fucking vaccinated before me. And, uh, but yeah, it's just like, it's, it's crazy to think about like you yourself. I mean, not to get too deep into it, but like you yourself have a compromised immune system and you're, you're nowhere close to getting yours. Yet. <laughs> like, you know what well, I mean? It's, it's funny you say that. Cause I, I talked literally to my doctor today about, cause I wanted to wait to find out about if I should be getting, I'm not one of those people that's like all freaking out about like which strain of vaccine should I get because of yeah. the the conditions. But I, I was legitimately just concerned about my, my body and, and the system and whether or not there were certain things medically that are going to help most people in these vaccines that, you know, maybe I should avoid due to my circumstances. Sure. And once she said no, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to book the next one that I'm, allowed oh, yeah. to book because i i'm allowed to book one but i don't know what yeah, it's gonna be so. i was gonna i was gonna say like I, I i i'm eligible to at least register uh to go and i i've been on a list for a few weeks and i'm not i don't i do, honestly don't i don't even care if they skip over me like I, I i don't care like just whoever whoever you think needs to be vaccinated just fucking just give it to them like i don't care like i'm i'm relatively healthy i don't care if they skip over me but um you know, it is, it, 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 I guess going back to the positive side of it, like I'm happy that at least I'm on a list to get contacted at this point because I didn't think, I thought I would be one of the last people to be eligible. I'm in my 20s. I don't have a job where, uh, where the government takes it seriously, as we've learned. And so, uh, like, I didn't expect to, and, and that's fine. Like, I wasn't upset about that, but uh, it, is, it is nice that at least I'm, I'm, I'm on a list. Which is cool. Yeah, yeah. Getting back to Patrick Marlowe. Uh, not that I don't love now. The he's he's vaccinated due to the fifty-five plus uh, probably yeah. rule, right? So lucky for him, he's got both of his shots now uh, because of exactly. Age. Yeah, exactly. Well, not only that, but he also lives in America, where yeah, you know, you, you <laughs> plays in the National Hockey League. And, yeah. yeah. We're going to get to that later, but uh, no, my, yeah. my question <laughs> yeah, uh, from like 20 minutes ago that everyone's I'm sure on the edge of their seat to hear uh, is, is whether or not. And like I said, stop me if I've done this before because of the, you know, fry brain is, is Patrick Marlowe in your books, a hall of famer. Yeah. Easily, easily, okay. easily, easily. He, okay. So this is, this because is because of I the mean, record or I mean, does yeah. he need the record to get in. Yeah, I may as well make two points here at once kind of thing. Like, uh, he he gets in to me because I think the record is an insane accomplishment. Um, it's, it's hard. Here's the thing, right? It's like people seem to miss the idea that um, you, you can't get to this record being average or bad. You can't. You have to be good. 
The, you can't well, you mean, can't Patrick stand Barlow the got across the finish line being pretty bad, but well, sure, but he he's not in the league at thirty eight. Never mind forty one. If yeah. he wasn't good at thirty four, like he's yeah. out by thirty four, he's out by thirty one. Most guys are out by twenty eight, and so like for me, that's one of those things where if you look at the most games played of every sport, it's never in it. Like it's Pete Rose for baseball, who you know, whatever you want to say about Pete Rose, he's a fucking phenomenal baseball player. Uh, scandals aside, might be the greatest baseball player of all time. And um, for me, Patrick Marlowe is a guy who was very, very good for most of his career, was among the top, you know, 15, 20 wingers in the league for a very long time. And um, he gets over the finish line because he was pretty solid up until about two years ago. And, um, you know, maybe they push him over the finish line, maybe they don't. But the question is, is he a Hall of Famer? Like, I think it's a significant enough record where someone's going to ask, you know, who's the all-time, like, who's played more games than anyone else in NHL history? And you kind of have to point to, well, here's the guy. And where's the best spot to have something like that is in the Hockey Hall of Fame, to me. Um, is he a good enough player to get there if he played 100 less games? That's a tough argument. Um, but... You know, I I, th- I still think that there might be a case for that, but it, it's it's a little harder to make the case. You're right. And are the last hundred games that noteworthy? Probably not. But he he definitely in my books gets in because of the record itself. Now, if you want to take that away from him for the sake of argument, that that's fine. He's he's still got over 550 goals. He's still got you know a couple gold medals at the Olympic level. He never got that cup which usually, you know, would put a guy over the edge like that. But uh, I, I think he's on his own, uh, you know, in terms of his, his on-ice accomplishments, I think he's on the fence, and, and this just helps put him over the edge, in, you know, for me. Uh, I've, I've got no problem with him being there. I know there's a lot of people talking about how, you know, he, he's only going to get in because of, the, because of the game's play record. And that might be true, but... At the end of the day, it's not like we're talking about a guy that was a, uh, you know, six uh, third pair defenseman that you know put up twenty points in his career and just stayed healthy. Right. Uh, the, the guy could actually play. You know, he, he was like you mentioned a, a, a top player in the league, and and uh, I, I think it'll it will be a rightfully deserved achievement when it's all said and done. The the big one for me, and and this this irks me a little bit, is. We're talking about Patrick Marlowe at 41 breaking this record and about how, like I alluded to, the fact that he's probably like shouldn't be playing this year and it's probably just a bit of a, a PR move by the Sharks to get him over the hump because they're bad and he's not been good. I'm fine with that in the, in the, in the grand scheme of things for the simple fact that the NHL took away – well, not, not the NHL solely, but between COVID and lockouts – this guy lost 130 games potentially in his career to get to this mark. So yeah. he could have done this a season and a half ago. And at that point back then yeah. he was still playing good hockey. Yeah. I mean, you look at the lockout games missed. Uh, he breaks the record in Toronto, doesn't he? Is my math correct? I don't have it in front of me, it's but about 130 I think... games ago. So I don't, I don't know how uh, 48 with plus 82. Or... Like, yeah, he, he, yeah, that's 30, isn't it? It's around there. Yeah. 
40, no, 48 plus 82. Yeah, no, it's, that is literally 130. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you kind of push him over the finish line, and I wasn't around back then. And, I mean, not to the degree that Marlowe did, but, like, I don't know how good Gordy Howe was when he was 50. You know, like, I don't, I don't know that that record sure. is the number that it's supposed to be either. And, and this is a record, like, that's a hilarious thing. Is like if you're if you're not pushing those guys over the finish line, uh, Yager has the record. And are you going to argue to me that Yager didn't get over, like didn't get pushed over the finish line toward the end too? Like those twenty three games right. in Calgary were fucking awful. So then Gordy Howe would have had it anyway. Like I guess, like I think that's how the math works out without it in front of me. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's one of those things where, um, you know very rarely in hockey do guys retire on top or at a, or at least at a point in their game where they're still very, very good. And I mean, this was the way that it was always going to go down is whoever holds that record. It's always going to be just a guy who kind of, you know, crept over the finish line at the end. And that's fine. I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, two other marks that are within reach for Patrick Marlowe, potentially um, the first one being 1200 points. Uh, he's he's three off the mark there for his career, which would, you know, right there in itself, I think that's a, that's a big accomplishment for a player to get to. If and, he gets there, uh, yeah. three three is a stretch. Three, three well, you know, you're not wrong. He's, that's a they, third of his entire point total. They uh, they might have to Kobe it at the end there and just leave him out for 60 minutes his last game and just hope that the law of averages would get him three points in the game. Yeah. Every yeah. time that there's an empty net, just put Patty over the boards, sit him at center ice and see what happens. But yeah. uh, the other one that I, I think is probably out of reach. And, and this stems back to my issues with uh, maybe not the first lockout because it's, it's too long ago now, but the most recent one for sure. And then obviously the, the 15 or so games that they lost last year to, to COVID. And then however many this year you want to tack onto that, but um he's less than a season away from the Ironman streak in the NHL set by Doug Jarvis, which like, again, like I I know Keith Yandel is, you know, he's hanging around. Phil Kessel actually has a really high active uh, count. What's Kessel's number? Kessel's at uh, 891, nine games behind Marlowe. 891. And Doug Jarvis's number is what? 964. Yeah, like I, I, that's got to be Kessel's record to me, though, right? Because like, I Yandel mean, like, still has Yandel's the active leader. Yandel's an interesting one, though, because Yandel, Yandel barely made the roster this year. He only made the roster right. because everyone was mad at him, or mad at the Panthers that they were going to cut him in the first place. And he's been he's been okay this year, but like, does does Keith Yandel? Like is Keith Yandel around to break the record? Like I don't, I don't know. Like I wouldn't really be shocked if he gets bought out. And if he gets bought out, and he's only making you know nine hundred k next year, it's easier for a team to put him in the press box. And sure. say say he's playing for you know Minnesota. What the fuck do they care that he's going to break the streak? Like they have no loyalty to the guy. They're trying to win. Like he's going to sign somewhere where they're trying to win. He's not going to sign in who's terrible Ottawa just so that way he gets in the lineup every night to break the record. I doubt like, that'd be a weird thing to do. Keith Yandel doesn't seem like that kind of guy. And that's yeah. like, that's a record too. Like that, that's unbelievable to have, but like, 
I don't know. I, I would care more about winning if I were one of those guys, right? So I think I think that ends up being Kessel's record. Like I don't see any way Marlowe plays next year just to get that. Yeah, it, it's tough to argue that he should. Um, you know, like especially if you're talking about like Patrick Marlowe coming back next season at, at all. Like if you're the Sharks, you've got to you got to be thinking about what's best day to day in turn in, instead of, you know, it's one thing to get Patty Marlowe to, to this record. We're talking about now with the games played. That's, that's on the level. We knew the sharks weren't going to be great this year, but at some point you got to stop giving out the, the courtesy uh, curtain for, for this guy and, mm-hmm. and just, you know, decide to switch into, to win mode. You're, you're probably right. Phil Kessel, uh, you know, barring some sort of injury in the next uh, year or so, uh, he probably gets there, I would imagine. But um, yeah, it's just a shame. Like I said, like Pat, Patty Marlowe was, he is and, and was set up in a, in a real nice spot to have a shot at that record, which, like I said, it, it's it's one of those, one of those ones that I consider to be just unfathomable that someone would get there. And uh, here we are talking about three active guys all, Mm-hmm. all chasing in within a season's worth of, of games played to get there. But, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, one other thing that we wanted to touch on about the Marlowe stuff was uh, you brought it to my attention and I, I did my mm-hmm. best to get myself caught up. There were some really fucking weird takes by uh, hockey media in terms of Patty Marlowe in this record, wasn't there? Yeah. I, uh, I don't. I don't know why I let myself be surprised by this anymore. Like I just don't. I don't. I don't get it. But uh, of course, you know, none other than Toronto's finest, Steve Simmons, comes in with a tweet the day of the record. Hart trophies won. Gretzky nine, House six, Shore four, Ovi Lemieux or uh, Clark Morenz all three, and Marlowe once finished ninth in hard voting, and that that's the tweet. That go. Oh, that's good. That's good. Good for good for him. That's more uh, more times than Steve Simmons has ever uh, finished in the Hart Trophy voting. And uh, furthermore, that's the cl- that's closer than Steve Simmons has ever been to winning a fucking journalism award because I've looked that up too. So um, I I thought that was I thought it was just interesting. Like I don't get why. Um, like I don't I don't give a shit about the record either. I don't care. I don't care really. Like it's impressive, but I don't care. And um, like, what, 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 like, what do I care though? Like that he broke the record. Like I don't care positively or negatively. Why well, feel the need to just come on and stir the pot and be toxic and just and try to take things away from Patrick Marlowe, who is a guy that is well respected in uh, in not just the NHL. If there's any dressing room outside of San Jose that he is insanely respected in, it's Toronto's. And those players already fucking hate you. So why say anything? They don't talk to you at all. And it's literally just like, he's just so sad that they won't talk to him or they won't. So now he's just like insanely bitter. I I don't understand how this guy still has a job. I don't understand who the fuck reads this guy's columns. I don't because even older hockey fans that I know don't really think that way and they're not as fucking annoying and toxic about it. So, so that was annoying. There was also uh, this, this broad that I've never heard of. Uh, what's her name? I, I lost Rosie it now. Rosie Damano. 
Yeah, I, 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 I closed the window because I, I didn't even care enough. But just like even her too, like something about how uh, this other guy that I've never heard of wrote 11,000 columns. And if I ever got to 10,999, I'd stop out of respect. I, I have a feeling you're not going to get there anyway, lady. Like, I, I don't know who the fuck you are. But like, uh, again, it's just... It's, she could have stopped there. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And, and Gordie Howe could have stopped when he was 39 and, you know, uh, Yarmer Yager could have stopped 10 years earlier and so on and so forth. So what? You're, you're mm-hmm. going to fault someone because they get hired? You're going you're gonna to fault someone for making money, for being wanted and needed and, and appreciated somewhere? Fuck you. That is so fucking toxic and, and just disgusting human behavior, to be quite honest with you. Like, I don't give a, I don't give a, I wouldn't have given Patrick Marlowe a job five years ago, but it's not my decision to make. And... Even if I have that opinion, can I not be happy for the guy? Of course I'm happy for him. Fucking awesome. Great. Good for him. His wife should be proud. His kids should be even prouder. And um, everyone who's ever played with him, which is everybody, uh, should, should love the guy. Like, that's great. Good, good for him. Um, you know, it's, it's 700 and, 1,768 more games than I'm ever going to play in the league. So fucking good for him. Yeah. Someone be, uh, <clears throat> someone be sure to... Let us know what the all-time record for podcast episodes is so we can stop just before we get there. That would be a shame if we were to discredit the great service of, of whoever has that record. Look, at the end of the day, um, like we're, we're talking about someone passing Gordie Howe's record that was set, what, 50 years ago-ish? Not quite. I don't mean to age those of you born in 1980, but we're, we're getting close to that, I guess. It's Gordie Howe at the end of the day. Yeah. The, the guy is Mr. Hockey. He has a hat trick named for him. <laughs> he is second on the all-time goals scored list for now. Yeah. No one's going to forget about Gordie, guys. Like, I, I don't no. know if that's what the media is worried about, that there's some Gordie Howe erasure going on. No. And now that Patrick Marlowe's got the record, we're all just going to, from now on, no one will ever that is a hockey fan know who this guy uh, was or what his contribution to the game uh, involved. Um, he's a hockey hall of famer. He's one of the, you know, top five, maybe again, maybe, maybe it is Gordy Howe racer. I don't know, but he's, he's one of the top five greatest hockey players of all time on most people's lists. I would imagine. Yeah. So like, it's fine to to not have to worry about, you know, who's going to pass Patrick Marlowe in a few years because apparently none none of the media wanted him to have the record in the first place. So whenever that happens, uh, we'll we'll be sure to not not worry too much about it. Yeah, I guess. And even there, like there was someone else even too that that came up with the Gordy Howe erasure whole fucking thing, and it was like, you know how erasure works, right? Is it takes something. Yeah. that used to exist and erases it. That's how time works. That's how everything works in life. Because I promise you, if you think people don't give a shit about Gordie Howe now, wait 50 years. They really aren't going to give a shit. And that's fine. Like, that, that's okay. Like, that, that's how life works. Yeah. You think I care about people who lived in the 1800s? I don't give a fuck. Who cares? Like, it, it's just... You, it's, you... it's this whole annoying thing where it was just like uh, these people woke up on Monday morning and felt the need to just uh, just 
complain that that Gordy Howe has one less record. Like like fuck like fuck you. Like it, it's it's the same thing in in baseball where uh, like Gordy Howe is to hockey what Hank Aaron was to baseball. Really, he played forever and he was fucking unbelievable the whole time, basically. And so, like, you think people are going to forget about Hank Hank Aaron in in ten years? He also has an award named after him. Gordy Howe is Mister Hockey. Like these guys are not, you know, forgotten. They might, you know, yeah. not be thought of as a top five hockey player in fifty years, but like, um, you know, like that's okay. Like you're allowed to have a legacy, and sometimes these legacies don't live forever the exact same way that they existed yesterday. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you don't well, need like, to get and, upset and, about and it. You... And and I don't think this tarnishes Gordy Howe's uh, legacy at all. While we're on that subject, for sure, yeah. Uh, he, the guy still played till he was fifty-one. That will never be taken away from him. So, Crazy. Um, you know, it kind of goes back to the the tweet you read about the, that Steve Simmons put out about the hard trophy winners, and and you got to you got to Marens, and I'm sure half the people list, listening at home went who, like, yeah. like that's a name that in hockey circles fifty years ago was very important and very well respected, and and everyone knew who Howie Marens is, and. And now maybe not so much. Maybe it's just your weird loser, you know, super nerds that are going to care about guys that played in nineteen eighteen and 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 what have you. Yeah, but yeah, James, that's I'm, I'm going to that's, that's I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. Okay, a little secret I got okay. here for you. Okay, okay? Uh, Jose uh, Theodore has a fucking heart trophy. Who cares? It's such a fucking subjective fucking award. You think anyone thinks Jose Theodore is one of the great goalies? He was barely even a great goalie when he fucking played. No one cares. It's okay. You can win a heart trophy. You cannot win a heart trophy. A lot of good players have never won one, too. Like, it's fine. Corey Perry has one, and I'll, I'll never be able to sure. live that down, I guess. Yeah. But, Patrick yeah. Marlowe was on a fucking team with Joe Thornton, who uh, is, for sure, one of the best centers to ever play the game. Everyone, like, rightfully so, credited Thornton for a lot of that success. Uh, but, you know, Marlowe has to be good enough to play with him. It's not like they were sticking a dead corpse out there at 28 years old to play with Joe Thornton. Like, Patrick Marlowe was good enough to be there and good enough to be not even on his line some of the time. He's a good fucking player. Uh, speaking of uh, longevity and... No, I can't do it. Um, fuck, I, I got to get back on the... Uh... The transition train. I had, I had a few good ones there. Do you need a drink uh, then, or something? You know, it's been slipping the last few weeks. So I got a few. Um, the uh, the Vancouver Canucks. A lot was made about the team going into COVID protocol and about how, um, you know, whether or not they should play the season out or or what the best approach was. I guess uh, in terms of of how to handle that, where over twenty members of the team uh, came down with the virus. Um, they played uh, two game two games this past uh, uh, weekend against the first place Toronto Maple Leafs, and uh, boy, one has to ask the question: Should the Vancouver Canucks not have gotten COVID sooner, perhaps? Yeah, because they are uh, they're looking not too bad. Uh, winners of uh, what is it? Two straights and. Mm. Uh, with a bunch of games in hand, they are quickly closing in on that fourth playoff spot for the Montreal Canadiens are currently <laughs> rolling down. They got the Ottawa Senators tonight. 
if they beat the Sens tonight, just just let let's put it out here. If if they beat the Sens tonight, which is they will pass which is an the, F, which is yeah, they will pass the Calgary Flames in the division. Okay, and they will be eight points behind Montreal mm-hmm. with four games in hand. What say you, sir? Mm. Yeah, the uh, well, you know, the the interesting thing about uh, about uh, all those takes about are the Vancouver Canucks going to make the playoffs is like uh, most of the people who uh, think that happen to live in Vancouver, which is kind of just a kind of a weird coincidence there, really. Um, what I would say to that is uh if you if you think that the Canucks uh are are playing well I I don't I don't think you watched either of those games against the Leafs because uh they looked horrible uh as they were before the break and they looked worse the last two games so uh yeah it was um it was a game I mean they they hung around on on Monday but a lot of that was Braden Holtby Played very well. Best game I've seen him play in Vancouver. Good for him. And uh, the other night, whatever whatever the other game was, they um, like David Riddick was horrible. Like it, it, it happens. I mean, you know, the Leafs only scored three goals and two goals in those games, so the, it's not like the Leafs were setting the world on fire. But the Leafs had the puck the entirety of that first game, like like the entirety. It, it was amazing. Like they were breaking down. Uh, at the intermission, how good Vancouver was playing, and they were showing you clips where Vancouver didn't even have the puck. They were just clogging the, clogging the neutral zone. It's like, they're not playing good. They're tired eight minutes into the game. They're getting killed. That's okay. Like, again, they didn't get, you know, they got screwed. Like, they shouldn't have had to play those games, but it is what it is, and, and we are where we are. Uh, but what were they supposed to do? Like, literally not come out of the tunnel for the game? Like, what were they going to do? They had to play, and they won. Like, good for them. Are they making the playoffs? Yeah. No, they're, like they're they're how 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 even if they played well, how is that going to happen? It's they're done, it's over. Well, I mean, like, well, uh, you. I'm not saying you don't make a good point. Like they didn't look great in those two games, but at the end of the day, they got the points, and the points are what matter. Uh, this is not whose line is anyway. They they chipped away at the the deficit ahead of them, and look, the Montreal Canadiens are not exactly setting the world on fire lately they got seven of their next uh of their last i should say seven of their last 12 games are against either the leafs the jets or the oilers who are all ahead of them so look i'm i'm not gonna put the 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 banner outside the you know the window here and and declare the canucks are in it but they're certainly not out of it you know if if they have a few good games against Van, or you know, against the Ottawa Senators, which they have available to them, and the the Habs keep slipping. You know, like Vancouver's got a better shot at this thing than Calgary does, I would say at this point. And we're all talking about Calgary, like as if well, all they got to do is beat the Habs and 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 then you know hope hope for the best. And are people saying that? Are people saying what? Sorry, that that Calgary's still in it too. Well, only because their next three games are all against Montreal, so there's the opportunity to close the the gap. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean that's that is that that is how math works. No, but it's, like it's, it's like the halves have been bad. No, like let's not let's not gloss over the fact that you're not wrong. Like, like literally, what you're saying is right. It's 
come on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, come on. Yeah, no, I'm not, like, I'm not, no, Montreal's I'm not, not predicting it either, but they've been, how bad have they been? Like, just brutal lately. So it's, 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 look, it's fun at the very least. I'd rather, I'd rather this be the case than the Habs win five of their last six and, and we're all talking about, okay, well, is it going to well, be Oilers or Winnipeg in second? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like obviously the math checks out. It's just like the what what people seem to to miss here is that Vancouver even playing at 100% is the fifth or sixth best team in the division. Like Montreal is better. Montreal's been bad and are they going to continue to get worse? Like I maybe. Like I I understand the argument. Like maybe Montreal completely implodes on themselves too. But I, I think even just given the math, it's, it's pretty easy for me to make the case that Montreal can lose some of these games and still find a way to make it, you know. Sure. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Should they have gotten COVID sooner? No. Probably not. Yeah. They should have gotten it not at all. I'm sure it was a choice they made. Well, speaking of the Vancouver Canucks, uh, Brutes, I'm bringing back uh, a game – that oh, you enjoyed at least the first time we uh, yeah. we went through it. I was um, this is th- this is called uh, "Who Would You Rather Be?" Uh, and I've compiled oh, yeah. a list of uh, what do I got here? Uh, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, this game rocks. Ten, I got ten. Looks like I got ten different uh, options for you to choose from. I'm I'm going to set it up, and you can take uh, ten seconds to answer. You can take ten minutes to figure out uh, where you want to land. Uh, between uh, either of these options uh, makes sense yeah no i like this game because you can't lose you can't lose that's can't that lose. exactly right i mean i mean you you can be a loser in some scenarios but, no matter yeah. what you are gonna lose but there's no real way to quantify it that's what it is true okay um so sticking with the topical issue at hand mm-hmm. uh, my first uh, who would you rather be is uh brute would you rather be a, a vancouver connects fan or a Vancouver Canucks player? Fan. Fan, for sure. I think... Uh, have the COVID, eh? Yeah. yeah. I think... Uh, yeah, that's a, tough, that's a tough one. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, the good news is, if you're a fan of the team, uh, I guess you're not going to get shipped out of town against your will at any point, which is kind of nice. You can, you can, you're free to live in BC if you like. Uh, and most people do like, and um, I think that uh, I, th- I, I, you know what? Like I, I'm not gonna sit here and pile on the Canucks and say that they're doomed or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like, I, they, yeah, they suck this year. I think, I think there are ways to make that team better. Uh, I'm not like as insanely critical of him as as a lot of people are, uh, but I, but Jim Benning's doing a horrible job. You get Jim Benning out of there, like they they have pieces. They're, they're nowhere they're nowhere close comparable uh, to being like far away as like Buffalo or or like honestly like it, it'd probably be easier to turn them around than Ottawa at this stage so yeah I'm not I'm not super upset yet be okay. uh, although if you were if you were a player you'd have a three-year five million dollar contract true. to your name that's so true. that's yeah. one thing to consider. <laughs> Yeah, I, I score about as many goals per 60 as Jay Beagle does, so... Ooh, there it is. All right, Bruce. Uh Would you rather be 
Steve Simmons' editor or Steve <gasps> Simmons' son? He is a son. Either, either way, you're well. I'm just I'm saying hypothetically, you're his son. You're probably disappointed in, in him, regardless. How could how how could there's no way that guy's married? But I brought well, editor, because knowing knowing full well that you're I mean releasing garbage. <laughs> I don't want to speak too soon, but like if if I go down my career path and things work out real quick, I could be his editor. Maybe I'll maybe I'll try to work there, just just to make it happen. Interesting. You know what I mean? Like just to fucking, mm. you know, they'd fire me immediately. Wow. They love that guy there. Probably. Uh, no, I'd rather be Although his they editor. They haven't fired him yet, so. Yeah, well, they don't fire much anyone there. No. That's why uh, I want to work there. Brutes, would you rather be the PR guy for the Las Vegas Raiders or the PR guy for oh. the NHL? Oh my god! Oh boy, that was the worst tweet of all time, wasn't it? <laughs> Do you, like, don't you think that that's probably the worst though? Uh, for those that missed it, the day of the uh, Derek Chauvin, oh my god, uh, I guess sentence, not sentencing, but like when they announced verdict. the out- the verdict. That that's okay. The you've you've been buried in schoolwork for two months. Everyone everyone right. gets it here. In any case, the uh, the verdict for the uh, Derek Chauvin trial comes down, and the Las Vegas Raiders choose to tweet out, "I can breathe." Uh, that day, which was, as you as you said, uh, uh, an all time bad tweet. So uh, here's what I'll say: is I would rather be the um, Las Vegas Raiders PR guy because I'm probably taking the previous guy's job because I never would have said something like that. So. How did that? How did that make it through so many meetings? You know, you think that went to a meeting? I don't. But oh my god, how how little effort do these organizations put in? Like, I just don't get that. I I proofread a tweet, oh, the, the bare minimum. I proofread a tweet for like a minute and a half before I send it. And though that's like eight words no, but about know. about a fucking beer on a Twitter account where I have like 400 yeah. followers. Like who gives a shit? You know what I mean? And I and I think about but it. But that's the problem. Like like you 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 proofread it. Uh there there's no argument being made that they didn't proofread it as well. They just didn't see the problem with it is the bigger issue. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's fucking ridiculous. Uh but I'd rather be their PR guy because uh I think I I I think I have I think I'd have more say. You know, what's going to happen? No, well, the, the, the question, uh, I, I suppose maybe I didn't explain this. The, the nature of the question pertains to the idea that this has already happened. Uh, oh. You were the guy that sent the tweet for the, the Raiders. Uh, would you rather be that guy or would you rather be the guy that sent the NHL's uh, two sentence response that didn't name any names, no. didn't name any changes? Didn't... Uh, I'd, ra- <laughs> I'd rather be the NHL guy then. That's, that's a lot okay. more. <laughs> there's, a lot more there's a lot more you can look at it and be like, all right. Well, I get it, but so. Sure. Yeah. All right, Brutes. Would you rather be Nick Felino, recently acquired from the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Trauma Beliefs, with what you might call quite a bit of pressure on your shoulders? Or would you prefer to be Mike Felino, who will forever be enshrined on that 1993 Maple Leaf team as being uh, what is quite possibly the last great team that this franchise has ever had regardless regardless of what happens this year you will still be revered for your actions then well james um 
as someone who takes part in the uh, hilarious bashing of the Leafs on Twitter, uh, within Leafs uh, Twitter, uh, I do have to say I'm I'm still I'm still actually like very optimistic about this group. So I I will say I'd rather be Nick Foligno. Short and sweet, I like it. Yeah. Um, next, Bruce, would you rather be a guy trapped in a bar where everyone except you and the bartender has COVID, or would you rather be a guy trapped on a cruise ship with no alcohol, but it can't dock because everyone at port has COVID? Trapped. Turn your mic down if you can. Just a smidge. Trapped in a bar, but everyone has COVID. Except trapped on a boat head. with no alcohol, but we can't dock. How big's the boat? It's a cruise ship. Like we're talking, yeah, we're talking like I've a, never been on one, but a couple thousand people cruise ship kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I've never been on one either, actually. I've never been on a cruise. I I I don't think I ever will. Um hmm, but no alcohol. Am I the only one on the boat or are there other people with me? No, sorry, there's other people, but they're they're all safe. Like they don't have COVID. Oh. You just literally can't go back to port because uh, okay. So I'm COVID. in a bar, but everyone has COVID, or I'm on a boat, no alcohol. Well, no, I'd, I'd rather be on the boat. I think, uh, I, like, I, I, you know, there are other ways to pass the time other than drinking. So, uh, you know, I, I, and, and my, my issue initially was, though, there wasn't even anything about that. It was more so, uh, I'm not amazing on, on like, mid-sized boats, you know? Like, it's got to be kind of a larger <laughs> boat, like a, like a houseboat and up kind of thing, where I can't really feel the waves as much. Uh, cruise ship, I think it'd be fine. I think it'd be good. So, I, I'll go cruise ship. Okay. Uh, Birds, would you rather be Patrick Marlowe, who does have one of the all-time NHL records, or would you rather be Alex Ovechkin, who eh, might get there? Ovechkin. Okay. He's got the cup, eh? Got a cup? Yeah. Um, I think he'll... I mean, here, here's, here's, uh, here's how I'll answer the question. Uh, is Patrick Marlowe a first ballot Hall of Famer to you? Probably, but right, is, is Alexander class. Ovechkin a first ballot Hall of Famer to you? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's a better player. <laughs> yeah, more more of a legacy, no matter what. Uh, I'll go Ovechkin for sure. Bruce, would you rather be Doug Ford or Rob Ford? Oh, oh man! Wow. I think we can leave this question in. Um. Uh, well, well, I guess Doug for obvious reasons, but like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm, I don't know. Fuck. It's not, it's not like I feel bad for, for Doug Ford, but I kind of do. Cause like, he's just never going to, he's never going to be able to go anywhere ever again without getting like mobbed and harassed. And that sucks. But also Rob Ford can't go anywhere literally. So I'll go Doug Ford. Okay, just for the ability to get out of bed in the morning. Um, I'd rather, I'd rather lastly, be here than not, I guess, even if it sucks. Right. Like, whatever. Uh, lastly, Brutes, would you rather be a fantasy hockey owner that loses in the finals in the final game of the week? Right, sounds or like a fantasy, Right, or a fantasy yeah. hockey owner that thinks they clinched a playoff spot in the final <laughs> game of the season? 
Are you, uh, are you any one of those guys, perhaps? I might be. <laughs> Is that, uh, like, not our main league, but the other league you're, you're in with me? Yes, no. So for context, I, I'm, in, I'm in three leagues this year, two of which are with Brutes. And uh, <clears throat> in, in one of those, I'm, I'm actively in the playoffs. I'm actually winning this week in the playoffs. Uh, the other one I did not make the playoffs in. And in the third league, um, I had asked the commissioner a few weeks ago before the deadline uh, how many teams made the playoffs. And he said eight. And I went into the last week of the season in eighth spot and a win would keep me in eighth spot, but a loss would knock me out. And in the last game of the week of the season, I won because John Tavares took a minus in overtime against the Vancouver Canucks. And I thought I had clinched eighth spot in the league, which meant I had the last playoff spot, only to wake up Monday morning and discover that only six teams made the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you this, is I have been in both scenarios, because I've also had that happen. Oh, good. Um, good. That happened to me in the fantasy football league that I, that I care for a lot. Um. For a brief overview of my the history in that league, too, I did that draft one night. You and I had just gotten uh, hired as uh, coaches of a hockey team, and we had to go to a mandatory meeting that started about half an hour. Uh, like, it, it was going to be a half hour where I wasn't going to be at my football draft. So I had to auto-draft first three rounds. I got there. I had first overall pick, and I got the guy I wanted, and, like, everything worked out great. Uh, so I was super happy with my draft. And then I found out that that was a, uh, a keeper league and I took uh, a lot of old guys. So that, that started off bad. Uh, the only time I've made the playoffs in that league, I was one of the best teams in the league and I lost in the first round. The other time I was very close to making the playoffs uh, was the year we switched from eight to six. And so I watched a Pittsburgh Steelers uh, I want to say Cincinnati Bengals Monday night game in which Ladarius Green went off for like 23 points for me. And I'm sitting there on my couch, hammered, clapping, cheering. It's like Christmas time. I'm having the greatest fucking night ever. And I wake up the next morning and I look at the standings and I am not in the playoffs. Uh, I don't want to repeat that feeling ever again. I'd rather lose in the finals on the, on the last game. For sure. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. I, I feel you, um, my guy. That 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 thus concludes. Uh, who would you rather be with Bruce Bisaglia? Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'll rather be me. There it is. Some sad news. Uh, Jonathan Taves will not be returning to the Chicago Blackhawks this year, uh, as reported by Darren Drager, I believe. Um, at this point, we still, as far as I know, don't know what the issue is with Taves. Um, but I think it goes without saying that for, for someone of his caliber and, and his, his stature within the game and within the organization, uh, that he missed what is, you know, essentially, you know, an entire season of his career is pretty, pretty concerning, you know, um, obviously you hope it's, it's, a an injury type of situation where, you know, his, his performance is affected. 
and and that's what's holding him back. But there has been whisperings about this perhaps being a bigger issue, and uh, I won't comment on any of that because I I don't like to speculate on those types of things. But uh, I know that we were all hoping to see him back this year, and and uh, we hope that he's back next year or, or whenever he's ready to to come back, and that we haven't seen the last of him. But uh, sad news all the same. Yeah, it's uh, it's a bummer for sure. It's uh, <clears throat> he's a guy who I think has uh, he's earned the right to go out on his own terms for sure. And uh, I just I'm I'm hoping that he gets that opportunity. Um, you know, so I'm I'm praying not just for his personal life reasons, but um, for his hockey legacy that he does get to come back and and. Um, at least be close to, if not the exact same player he was when he left. Because he, uh, as far as we know, anyway, Jonathan Taves still rocks at hockey. He's still fucking pretty good. Um, so, you know, I, I would like to see uh, him come back next year and, and hope him, you know, wish him all the best. One thing I will say about this situation, and, um, you know, it, it's just a, it's just an inst- interesting observation is like, it's, uh, it's kind of crazy how little we know about it, really. Like, all we know is he, he made a statement that he was feeling uh, sluggish and lethargic and and stuff like that. And um, so, I mean, you can, spe- words. <laughs> you, can, you can speculate that to mean whatever you want to speculate it to mean. But, like, that's all we really know. And uh, speaking as someone who uh, went to medical school over uh, a, little, a little website called WebMD, uh, you know, very, very paranoid. Right, right. Um, yeah, that could be literally any, literally everything makes you feel sluggish and lethargic when there's something wrong with you. So it could be anything. And, um, you know, whatever it is, I hope it's, it's, I hope he's dealing with it. The other part too, that, um, I guess you didn't see the initial report from Dreger too, was Dreger had alluded that, uh, whatever it is seems to be progressing positively. So okay. no matter what, it seems like Jonathan Taves is going to be okay, but uh, we don't know what his hockey career is going to look like necessarily, but they're pretty optimistic. He's going to be ready for next season. So that's cool. That's good. Um, speaking of not playing this year, the double uh, IHF has announced that the women's world championships will not be taking place in Halifax as scheduled. Uh, thanks. I, I was, that's the only one I really prepared for in terms of a, a segue. Do you, so. do you prepare those? Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. When I get, when I get something good, I'll line it up so that it, it works out. There, there were a few times back when I was, when I was doing the hosting, uh, where I would do the breakdown and I, and I would have a, a like one or two would come to me, but I would say like anyone who listens back to our old episodes, uh, and it's pretty obvious if you do like 99% of my segues were not planned. So kudos, kudos to you for at least. Thanks, you know. thanks, man. Yeah, like I had an order, and it was just like, all right, we're done talking about this. Uh, let's talk about this. How about this? You, you guys, you guys, listen to this. It's like Jay Leno. It's just like, hey, you guys hear about this? Hey, hey Jay, with us. Uh, yeah. So no, no women's world championships yet. Uh, there's a lot of talk about how they're going to try to reschedule this thing for the summer because obviously the Olympics are supposed to take place next winter. And you need the world championships to determine seating and and which countries you know, get in and which countries don't, and yada yada. Now, for me, the weird thing here was that uh, there was a lot of blame being placed on the double IHF in this scenario, 
and I don't really get it um, because this was not their decision to cancel the World Championships. By all accounts, they would have had this thing go on as planned, and and whether that's right or wrong is for you to determine. But um, the province of Nova Scotia was the big player here that that came forth and said that we're not going to do this. It's not happening. And when that gets dropped on you literally weeks before the tournaments, I imagine that that's hard to overcome. Yeah. Um, like I, I think, I think the sense of bitterness kind of stems from the fact that, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. It's just, um, I think I've, I've been open on this podcast that there are a few things that I care about less than the men's world hockey championships. Uh, as far as I know, those are, are still going, though. Like, are those still supposed to be moving forward as, as somewhat normal? I mean, only it can only be somewhat normal, right? Because the NHL season's been moved back. But I think yeah, a lot of that I know stems th- from... Go ahead. I know the men's under-18s happen in Texas this week coming up, and those are still slated to go off without a hitch. Again, because of the state of things that's going on in Texas. Uh, I don't know when, where, where, sorry, the, the men's worlds were supposed to be held. That, that is probably the key factor here, but. Uh, yeah, it, it looks like the men's are slated to go on as normal. So, yeah, I mean, like, I, if that's where the bitterness stems from, that's, that's fine. Um, but you're right. Like, the, the big difference is that uh, the, the women's championship had been slated to take place in uh, Nova Scotia because um, like the world juniors, the women seem to kind of take place in countries that are prevalent and, and kind of no offense to other countries here, but earn their bid through their hockey program too. Um, So they happen to pick a a province where this was going to be an issue perhaps. Whereas uh, the men's world hockey championships this year are in uh, Latvia which if you remember correctly was one of the few countries where when the world shut down, they were still fucking playing hockey in Latvia. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm not, not, I'm not overly shocked. It, it's, it's, it's okay to be bitter. Like, you know what? I, I, oh, yeah. here's the difference though, right? Is we're, we're comparing the men's world championships to the women's world championships, like as if they're equal and they're not like the women's world championships, uh, are everything. For, for a lot of these players, it's, it's everything, right? Like it, you're going to get to the Olympics and the Olympics are the biggest stage, but this is like, this is like your regular season leading into, um, leading into playoffs in a way, right? Uh, it's huge. And um, like world juniors too, like there are a lot of those women that maybe play in those games that don't actually get on the Olympic team as well. So it's, uh, it's, it's a big deal. And it's, uh, it's, it's very unfortunate. My only sort of uh, positive note on that is, is I'm, I'm optimistic that they'll find a way to get it done on a new date and in a new place, perhaps, and maybe even in Nova Scotia. Um, but, you know, a year later, we're still taking everything day by day, week by week. And uh, Nova Scotia is one of the few provinces that has done a very good job through all of this. And, um, I think that if they want to postpone it, maybe like they're going to use the word cancel for now, but if they want to postpone it, I think that's the right idea. 
Yeah, definitely. And, and that's, that's, that's where it kind of falls for me is, is if this is a, a postponement, then that's fine. That's, that's in the best interests of the players, the, the health and safety of any of the workers, the volunteers, like all the people that have to go into making this thing happen. That's at the end of the day, most important, you know, you can bitch all, all you want about the hockey not being played that that comes second to, to people, to people's health and safety. So, um, Cause and this hard. probably stems back to, to last year as well, where we, we lost the women's world championship last year. Now we've gone two years without it. And I, I, I might be wrong, but I feel like they found a way to make up those games from the men's championship last year. Mm-hmm. And obviously the world juniors went off without a hitch and it, it's a bad look. Like, don't get me wrong. It, it, the optics of it are, are bad, but the, the blame, like, like the one that really, put me over the edge was I saw Jeff O'Neill freaking out about uh, you know the, the tournament being cancelled and well you play it in Texas just go down to Texas and play it there that's where the, the under 18s are it's like yeah bro that's fine but like that's not how you know politics work that's not how visas work that's not how like any of this works in terms of sitting up a tr- wow. like, you don't put this tournament on in, in a in a month it doesn't just come together no. like that so no and that, and that it's, it's insulting actually <clears throat> to, to insinuate that it does like that's uh that's uh i i'm honestly i'm i'm pretty on the fence when it comes to jeff o'neill like i i enjoy him but i i don't agree with a lot of what he has to say and um that point too it's just like that the the amount of work that it would take to move uh the venue like that's what they're working on. Like they, they cancel the tournament to see if, well, maybe we do it, do do it somewhere else. Like it, uh, to even say that they're not thinking about that is, is kind of annoying to make it sound like it's that simple is, is ridiculous. Like even to that point, say, say it were that simple. I don't want to go to them. I'm not going to Texas. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going there. I, I don't, I put it this way. I don't want to travel with people who want to go to Texas. Fuck that. I'm not going to Texas right now. Are you out of your mind? You give me a vaccine the second I get off the plane for sure. But other than that, fuck that. And that, that is the nice thing about Texas because you can get it with your uh, roasted chicken and uh, <laughs> your star-spangled banner at the gas station. It's on the plane. menu at Texas Roadhouse now. It's crazy. Exactly. You actually get to pick. Like You can say, like, I want you know AstraZeneca. I want I want Pfizer. I want a little half and half. You know, you, you, it's your cocktail. You do what you want with it. So... Do you think, um, just just quick time out here, do you think that Texas Roadhouse is a Texas-based restaurant chain? I'm going to say no, only because I've lived in a world where I've, well, that and I've gone to Montana's and, yeah, a lot of lies in the food industry. Texas Roadhouse is a Texas-themed American. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, there, uh, There it is. There it is. Wow. Their headquarters are in Louisville, Kentucky, and the first one was founded in Clarksville, Indiana. Fucking posers. Just like Boston Pizza, they're posers. Bunch of lies. Yeah, so hopefully, like like we said, we want to see the worlds go on for the women's at some point this summer, and uh, they can do it safely and responsibly and make it competitive. That's that's another big thing here that we're, we're forgetting about is is if if we just relocated it to say Texas, for example, and half the teams dropped out, then it becomes a question of why are we doing this in the first place? Yeah. So, um, yeah, we wanted to be done right. We obviously need to have this happen 
for the Olympics because it, it's such a key part of the women's game. And, and uh, I'm, I'm really, really hopeful that they can figure this out sooner than later. But for now, no women's world championships uh, in the, in the coming month or so. So um, lastly, Robin Lehner uh, doesn't seem to know how vaccines work as he was uh, apparently quite vocal recently in an interview um, about how he is not allowed some of the freedoms he is seemed to expect be just because he's received his shots, which is a, a very interesting stance to take from a guy that claims to be uh, no longer Republican. Uh, yeah, this, this is a really touchy issue. Um, yeah, I mean, here, here, here's what I'll preface everything I'm going to say by. I, I, I have to note that uh, I've, I've been very vocal in the past that I, uh, I am a very big Robin Leonard supporter as of the past few years. Um, I think what he's doing for uh, mental health, uh, just even by saying basic things, is, uh, is very, very big for the game. And uh, uh, he's done a lot of things that I think that, you know, he, he should be recognized pretty positively for. Uh, having said that, I don't, um, I don't really agree with most of, uh, with a lot of what he had to say. Anyway, I wouldn't say most. Like uh, for sure, he he um, he he noted himself as being a bipolar one, and that isolation is, uh, yeah, the the last thing that you need to do to someone who's a bipolar one. Um, you know. So I, I imagine this year has been, it's hard for me to say it, but, but it is reality is probably been tougher on him than, than most of the guys on the league. Uh, so, so there's that, like, I, I don't really know where his head's at, but the whole point he had about uh, the league promising to, to lift restrictions. Like I don't, it almost makes me think that he maybe misunderstood with what the league was, was telling him initially when, when they asked him to get vaccinated, because uh, I don't know for sure what they told him. Like he might be completely in the right here. Um, but I just, I find it hard to believe that the league would promise to lift restrictions. If uh, players were vaccinated, I think maybe he mistook something that they said or something there. And, you know, the, the league is adamant that they didn't say that. Um, you know, Elliot Friedman reached out to the league this week to try to get to the bottom of the story. And uh, it doesn't really sound like that's the stance they're taking in Robin Leonard's defense. Wouldn't be the first time the league tried to cover their ass. So, you know, it, it, it's hard to say. It's one of those things where, you know, like, like you, I, I could kind of tell by the tone, don't really agree with, uh, with what Robin had to say. And I, I don't, I don't really think I do either. Um, you know, the basic uh, push behind his anger, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Is just that you know he's hoping to to get out of the house and do other things. Like I, I also don't really understand what exactly the NHL's restrictions are on their players because there's pictures next to every day of Joe Thornton and. Um, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and Frederick Anderson, who, by the way, is supposed to be hurt, apparently, uh, rollerblading in downtown Toronto and shit like that. So, so they're they're allowed out of they're allowed out of their house, and I don't know why it would be different in Nevada 
a state that's way less strict. Uh, And, you know, especially if Robin Leonard's vaccinated, like I don't, I don't get why the league would be telling him not to go out. Uh, So it, it, it's a weird issue for me. Like I don't, he, he's saying one thing and the evidence kind of shows that things are not that way. Uh, It's, I don't know. That's it's a tough issue for me, but I, I'm not going to sit here and, and say that Robin Leonard's wrong. Like I, I, I don't know that either. But um, it was very confusing for me, for sure. Yeah, um, I'll I'll take it a step further, I guess. And like I've I've got no intent on on holding back. I suppose like it's no, yeah, you can you have something to say, you say it like. It doesn't make a lot of sense for me for this guy to be coming out and complaining about the state of things in the world that we're living in currently. And and he, look to your point, to your to your credit, he has done a lot of amazing work as a advocate for mental health, and and that's fantastic. And he should continue to do that. And the best way for him to continue to do that is by, you know, talking to people during all of this and, and reaching out and trying to put himself in, you know, maybe those people's shoes that aren't, you know, vaccinated and aren't multi-million dollar athletes and that might have a lot more going on behind the scenes than Robin Leonard does because he's, he's, he's dealt with a lot of mental stuff and he, he knows the plight of someone with, with mental illness and he should be the first guy in line to say, hey, I, I know what you're going through and it's it's going to be fine. And he should be the last guy coming forth and complaining about, gee, I sure wish I could go see my friends. Like to me, it was just a really weird take from a guy that didn't need to be the face of this issue. You, you know what? You're you're not you're not completely wrong, James. But the other thing is too is like I, I can't imagine how how difficult it is to though for Robin Leonard, hear me out, to to be in the position that he is in. Like we sit here and say, like Robin Robin Leonard makes more uh, I haven't done the math, probably in in a week than I do in a year. And um you know, he's sitting here complaining about it. And the idea that everything is still weighing on him, that everything he has isn't enough is also difficult too, though, to deal with. Right. Because like he's been through all this, he's got all this money, you know, he just got a $25 million contract. And the idea that like from when he was talking, he, he didn't sound like, again, I'm not trying to speculate. He didn't really sound like he was in a, a very, sound state of mind a little bit like he sounded a little rambly it sounded like his bipolar was coming through a little bit to me and to me it's just like i i think that this year has has been difficult uh on him and and i think it's starting to wear on him a little bit and it's just, it's, I would imagine it's very tough to be in a situation where, and you're not wrong to say it, but like for someone to say, you know, you've got all this, you've got all that, think about things are worse for you. And still you can't put yourself in that right frame of mind to think that way. I don't know. Like I just, when he was talking, he sounded like a guy who was, who was kind of, you know, 
in a, in a bit of a rough spot. And uh, I have sympathy for that. And I'm not saying you don't, um, but I think that's part of the issue too, though, is the fact that he does have all this money. He is in a position to get vaccinated. He, he is in a good spot in his life. And, you know, maybe right now as we're talking, like he's sitting at home having a, having a horrible evening. Right. And that, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. And, and that's fair. I'm not saying that that's not the case for him. Um, I guess at the end of the day, for me, it was just, if, you know, if, if there's what, 25 guys in the Vegas Golden Knights, and if any one of them came out and said something, I'm probably not too concerned about it because that's just the way that the, you know, the sport works. And that's just the nature of, of the, the NHL hockey player. It, for me, it was the fact that he was the guy grabbing the flag and leading the charge on bitching about the league and the restrictions that were being imposed on him. And yeah, like, like we said, like Nevada is very loose in terms of, of what they're allowing. And for what 23 other American franchises for us to not have heard a word from any of these guys about the, the state of things is just so bizarre. And, and, and look at, at the end of the day, I, I don't know what Robin Leonard is going through. If he, if he was having some sort of a, uh, an, a, you know, an issue at that moment when he was speaking to the media and, and in his words, perhaps weren't intended the way that he, he had them come out, then that's, that's something to discuss. That's something to, you know, reflect on and, and go to him. Which, and, and Which he did say, story. he said after the fact that, that everything didn't come out the way that he, that he wanted it to. Uh, which is fair. Like I, I had never watched the whole eleven-minute in, uh, interview until today, and the snippets I saw, I was completely agreeing with him. And then once I saw the whole eleven-minute video, it, it was a little rambly for sure. Hmm. Yeah, I, I did see his tweets, and I, I know what you're alluding to. It, like I don't know. At the end of the day, it just he 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 decided to make himself the face of this, rightly or wrongly, and and competently or not uh, it happened uh we can't go back and change that but look here we are what two three days later and and nobody else has come forth and said gee you know robin lander's got a good point there or um so i'm hoping this is just a a situation where the, the the message he was trying to send was misinterpreted and didn't get out the way he intended, which, like you said, seems to be what he's trying to to frame it as. But it it just really rubbed me the wrong way when uh, he was the guy trying to lead the way here. Yeah, I mean, I guess you and I are kind of having the conversation right now, so we may as well sort of have the conversation. Like, it's um, like like you you've been around the game as much as I have, we haven't been around the NHL, but, but you and I have been involved in minor hockey and everything for a long time. Like, I don't think you and I, like, I'm I, sorry. I don't think I'm making a stretch and saying that uh, mental health in society has obviously got a way to go uh, in terms of the conversation, but like for sure around the game of hockey, I think it's, uh, um, you know, there, there have been a lot of publicized efforts, but like, uh, it's, it, I don't think mental health is a real conversation that seems to happen every day uh, around these teams is kind of my thought. And I don't uh, like, I just, I don't know who, who your Robin 
to to his Batman, pun intended, I guess. Uh, like I don't know who who the next guy was going to be to really come out and, and say anything, because the only other guy, the only other two guys that I've heard talk about their mental health uh, in terms of NHL players in the last year, uh, at, at length anyway, uh, are Tyler Mott, who was involved in the Canucks uh, COVID situation, and Stephen Johns, who's nowhere to be found right now so um like i don't i don't i i hate to say it but i do think that part of the reason why no one really had much to say uh in conjunction with him too like it's tough if you don't know the guy but like i i think a lot of it had to come from the idea that a lot of other people really haven't been open about it either you know, and and it's not to say that there are tons of other guys out there that are having a difficult time either that that aren't saying anything. Maybe everyone is happy and and doesn't have an issue with it. I find that hard to believe though. And yeah. I think uh, I just I think a lot of that, like it's that whole thing too. Like we've had this conversation before, where it's just like, you know, how come no one else stands up during these issues? How come no one else stands up during these issues? And uh, I'm not. I'm not going to say that a lot of them are afraid to, but if a lot of them have never had to before or have never gone so far as to do that in the past, then it's hard to be that guy now. And and that's fair. Like it's, I know what you're saying. It's, it's just, I guess it's easier in, in some respects to keep your mouth shut than it is to open up and, and, and talk about things. And if you're someone that like Robin Leonard does seemingly want to talk about things then that's i'm not really upset at that fact it's it's i don't know it's it's really weird for me as someone that has you know been stuck in in what you'd call a a worse situation and i'm speaking from a personal standpoint i suppose and um the last like do i want a whole bunch of NHL players to come out and complain about their lives and how their situation <laughs> is currently. Like, no, like I'm, I'm not really looking for these guys to come out and, and necessarily do the things I'm talking about. I'm just talking about the, the mirror, you know, the, the, the basic uh, at the end of the day, like Robin Leonard came out and, and, and said it and no one else followed and no one else was the first out of the gate to do so. And I, uh, come back to the sense that it was it was not I don't know what wrong but it was just it was not right to to do uh, what he did the way he did it I guess is is how I'm trying to frame it I'm okay. I'm having a bit of an issue getting my my words no to, no and on, it's on you know what I I understand why it would it would rub people wrong um, to me I guess in in summary is what I heard from Robin Leonard is even again, I, I don't necessarily agree with what he had to say. And uh, some of it didn't really make a lot of sense to me. And, and I'm, but it's cause I'm not in the know. I don't really know what uh, the day to day of an NHL hockey player is right now. But to me, all this was, was a situation of a guy who uh, has been to therapy and has, has is a lot more in touch with himself than I think most guys are in the league. Uh, if not all. And I think he is probably having a difficult time. And I think he felt the need to say something about how 
he's 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 probably just hoping for a little bit more um you know looser restrictions from the league and while i don't completely agree with him you know if it's causing him anguish if it's causing him you know uh to think about walking away from the game then i think there needs to be some sort of a reevaluation of what they're asking these guys to do because uh you know, if there's no outlet for Robin Leonard to at least see people from a distance other than his team members or to go out and take a walk or whatever the fuck it is they're telling him not to do, uh, it, it, clearly whatever they're asking them to do isn't really working. And I think, to his credit, you know, that's more or less where Ontario told us to go a few days ago by telling us not to go out of our houses for walks. To which every police force was like, yeah, no, you can go for a walk. Like, fucking don't worry about it. <laughs> go for a walk. If you want to go for a walk. Like, if I, all I'm saying is that it, it, to me, it just sounded like a guy who clearly understands his mental state and um, is not doing great right now. And I think uh, even though that's not what he said directly, I, I credit him for saying what he said in that sense. Uh, even though I don't agree with you know, uh, some of what he said anyway. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. I suppose. Um, I, I, I wish him well, like I, at the end of the day, like oh, I don't, I don't want people uh, stuck in situations they can't handle. I just, to me, it, it kind of comes back to the idea that, you know, if, 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 should we, should we be playing hockey at the end of the day? Is it really that important? And for Rob, Robin Leonard is one of those guys that I, I do wonder how much that, whether he'd benefit just maybe not playing hockey right now. And, yeah. and that's, that's a, that's a sad different topic altogether, but. And that, but that, that's, that's my thing too, though. Like I just, I don't, I don't think he should be put in that situation, but it's easier to, it's easy to say that. Um, like I don't, again, I, I don't know what the restrictions are. So, yeah. you know, maybe the it's NHL is say. doing everything and, and. Um, well, apparently you can't play cards with your teammates in hotel rooms still. So. Yeah, might be uh, as simple as that. I'll say this in Robin Leonard's defense: I haven't heard a lot of good things about what the NHL uh, is allowing their guys to do. So, yeah, I, I'm on his side in that regard for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, heavy episode through and through. Uh, you know, guys not playing, tournaments canceled, uh, media backlash. We'd mentioned Steve Simmons by name. That's never good. Um, should we? Should we? Should we plan one? Uh, I'm sure something something major will happen that's not good over the next week. Next week we'll do a fun episode. We'll just we'll just do fun. Let's do yeah. Some, we'll make do some fun stuff. We'll make waffles and yeah. uh, we'll do some hand uh, some some finger paints. It's gonna be a career ending injury or something this week. Yeah. We're just not gonna oh, talk yeah. about it next week. I don't care. Yeah. Joe Thornton had his beard shaved off by an opponent. Oh no. Um, by an opponent. All right. <laughs> By an opponent. I can't play Colorado right now, James. Come on, Nazem Kadri can't do that. He's safe. Right. Uh, but so anyway, uh, yeah, he- heavy heavy content on the the main. So we thought we'd end with a little bit of fun, uh, get the laughs up, the laugh tracks. Some of these have laugh tracks, some of them don't. Uh, it's your top ten sitcoms. The top ten's back. Top ten. Top ten. The first top ten of the season, I think. Really. That surprises me. I think so. I have the episode records uh, open on my computer, but I'm pouring wine right now. That's 
understandable. You you get I'm, that wrist in order, and I'm drinking uh, 19 Crimes right now, which has uh, Snoop Dogg on it. You can find it the second you walk in the LCBO. I think they probably still have that 40 foot cardboard cutout of them there. Uh, 19 Crimes, the uh, autobiography of Steve Eisenman's trade history. Uh... <laughs> oh, because he was number 19. I, I fucking get there it. There it is. You got yeah. it. Um, and he, oh, he like, robs guys left and right. A little bit of background on this. like If you didn't make it all the way through our episode last week, or the week before, or any, if you didn't make it through all of our episodes, uh, James and I usually talk about sitcoms sometimes at the end, but last week we specifically talked about something and I mentioned to James, I don't remember what it was, but I mentioned to James, like, I'm very curious about his taste in sitcoms because I feel like, uh, as a funny guy and, and I'm a funny guy and we're both funny guys together, uh, when we're allowed to hang out together, which has been a year, um, when we're not talking about COVID, right? So, so I just find it interesting because anytime I bring up like a super big sitcom that like everyone I know likes, James, James doesn't like it. It feels like anyway. So I want to know more about his taste in sitcoms. Um, so we're going to do our top 10, compare our 10 favorite sitcoms of all time. The one caveat I have to give here too, uh, these are live action sitcoms. Doesn't have to be yes. with, a, with an audience or anything like that, but these are real people. It's not animated. Uh, the reason for that is that my list would have been almost entirely animated and, uh, it made me feel like a nerd. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to do that. So, yeah. Uh, speaking of animated sitcoms, I've been watching Bob's Burgers. Mm, do you like it? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I've Our never... boss told me to watch it because she's a big fan and I finally got around to it. I've never given it an extended look, but I've liked, I've liked what I've seen. If if I could make one, I I would not say this for a lot of shows because I'm a big guy. Like I'm a big stickler for you play by the rules and you do things the right way and you go in order. Uh, I would honestly just jump ahead and start on season two, episode one. Uh, season one, there's like six episodes. They the first four are not great. The last couple, you can kind of see what they're going towards, and then. Season two, they're they're really on the mark. So I would I would almost watch season two first, and then if you feel like it, go back and, and get caught up. There's nothing that you need to know in terms of plot development from the first I've, season. I've so. seen the first season for sure. Um, yeah. Who who is like the who's like the head like the executive producer on that show? Like I know John Benjamin does a lot of the work. Is he the guy? I I don't know. I'm gonna pull it up. Oh right no, it's now. it's okay. Cause... It's one of I, I tend to notice that when you watch a show a bunch of times, like I see this guy's fucking name on the credits all the time. Why is that? And it turns out because they're the guy. Yeah, developed by developed by Lauren Bouchard, created by Lauren Bouchard. Uh, John Benjamin's the main voice. Yeah, I'm having a good time with that. So okay, but where where are you up here today? As it is, where would I find it? Uh, it is on Amazon Prime, my guy. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That might happen pretty soon then. If I don't have to do yeah. any work to watch it. Uh, then I then I'll probably watch it. I'm re-watching a show that is in my top ten, and I'll we'll get there when we get there. That I haven't seen okay. in a long time, uh, so it's like I'm watching a new show right now. I'm completely into that. But once I'm done with that, I, I'll need a new show. So Bob's Bob's Burgers might be Bob might be my guy. Perfect. Okay, uh, I will allow you to uh, start off the yeah. first. Uh, no, I'll, I'll go first, first. here. Uh, because we're trying to learn more about James here. So we want him to have that big 
conclusion at the end there, you know. Uh, first off, I, I got to say, um, there were about 13 or 14 shows that I thought were going to make my top five, uh, which mathematically doesn't work out. So uh, for those of you who know me, uh, I'm a big sitcom guy, and uh, there are a lot of shows that I really, really like and swear by, and they, I, I spend a lot of time watching sitcoms. Uh, my honorable mentions are Everybody Loves Raymond, Modern Family, and King of Queens, which I love all of them to pieces. So I was, it was a horrible time making this list. Uh, all three didn't make the list. I can't believe it. But uh, sorry, Modern oh Family, King of Queens, and what was the other one? Everybody loves Raymond. Raymond, Raymond. Yeah. Well, that that hurt a lot to cut, but I I I, just, I couldn't cut cut any of these other ten. It's terrible. Um, no, my number ten is uh, Arrested Development. Um, it it would be higher, but if anyone has watched Arrested Development, you will know that uh, it takes a bit of a dip. Uh, after like after season two, but season three is still good. I I will say this about Arrested Development, and I'm I'm confident in saying this. I think the highs of that show, like its funniest episodes, it it is arguably the funniest show I've ever seen in my life. Like it, it is, it is the highs are insane, but um, unfortunately the lows come kind of quick and season four and season five suck. Uh, I'll give it credit because it didn't do it in a row. It, it kind of knew it was hitting a wall and took time off and then rebooted. So I look at the show as only really being three seasons long, um, but it's great. I, I love it. The cast is insane. The guest stars they get, it's ridiculous. Uh, I, I also noted a favorite episode for each show along the way. Uh, I would have to say Arrested Development. My favorite episode would be season two episode three it's called amigos uh they think that george is hiding in mexico so the whole family goes down to find him and it's great nice um i have not seen much of Arrested development i i'm aware of it i've liked what i've seen i couldn't give it an honest uh, place on the the consideration list here just due to the fact of my small sample size however I used to come home from school and much music would have reruns of it on after an episode of the Simpsons. And I would watch the Simpsons and then arrested development would come on and be like, this show fucking sucks. So I didn't get it when I was young, but uh, holy shit. Is it ever funny? It's great. All right. Uh, my number 10 is my guilty pleasure live action sitcom. Dear God. And I know before I open my mouth, <laughs> I know before I open my mouth that it's not going to be well received by the listeners. I expect a full backlash. Uh, but for whatever reason, I just, I like it. I know it's bad, but I keep going back. It's, it's like a, it's like a, how do I put this politely? Um, this should be good. Yeah. It's like a, I'm going to stop there. Uh, number 10 for me is uh, how I met your mother. Oh, God, I don't I don't know where I thought you were going, but I thought you were going a lot worse than that. Mm. Like, I, uh, I, I like you made it sound like you were going young Sheldon or or like ooh, Ma, or wow. like Maud instead of Golden Girls. Like it, it sounded like it was going to get man. real bad there. Th- this isn't our top hundred no, sitcoms. Like, like, I, I don't like it, but it's it's funny for sure. It's funny. 
It's just not my cup of tea. The, the, the first time that you go through the series, which granted a lot of you probably didn't make it through, um, <laughs> is That's why they're like, I'm one of those guys. I'm one of those guys. Well, they're doing a How I Met Your Father, if you didn't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Starring Hillary <laughs> Duff. Because it went so well the first time. We're going to just do yeah. the same thing again. All right. Cool. Um, but like, I'm, I'm the type of guy that if, if I get into something and I like it and there's a mystery element, I have to see it through. Like I can't, sure. Sure. I can't not see how the mystery oh, ends. So this obviously it's right there in the title. Like it's, it's one of the biggest mysteries of like, that's the whole catch of the show and you're watching it and you like characters and you'll, you know, you want certain characters to end up with certain characters and the whole time you're, you know, coming back to the the main focus, which is like this is happening twenty years in the past, and and we we don't know the outcome yet. So that first time watching it through was such a fun ride that uh, I've gone back a couple of times to watch it over because I like picking up on the subtle hints that were left along the way. Hey, a nice little uh, Easter egg trail of of tidbits that you might you might find. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of Canadian content. The one character is Canadian in the show, and uh, a lot of good jokes made at their expense. A lot of hockey content, which Mason I, I, I do like. Reference. Mason Raymond, yeah, big Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Luke Robitaille appears in an episode. Thunder Bay's Paul Schaefer is featured as well. So nice. Uh, yeah, it's my guilty pleasure. No, I I think here's the thing, man. Is I like I I'll I'll meet you halfway here. I think I think it's a well written show for the most part. Like like as well written as a horrible premise for a show could be. Um, my, my, my main issue is I have never hated a character in a sitcom. I think as much as I hate Ted Mosby and he's the main character. If I, I can't get past it. Like, it's like, th- this yeah. is your guy. All of his friends are cool. Like I, I honestly, I don't even like Robin, <laughs> but like, she's fine. Like, it's like, I can tolerate her. I'd hang out with Robin in real life. If yeah. she's the worst part of the show, it's like, I could get into that. And it's not even that Ted sucks so much as much as I actually just can't stand Josh Radner. I think he's horrible. Horrible. Yeah. In it. Like, he's not horrible, good. man. I, I can't get past it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm willing to admit, it's got, it's got funny moments, and I wish I liked it more, but I can't get past Josh Radner. I just can't. Can't. I've seen a lot of it. Like, I've seen more than I've not seen, I think. But I can't get past him. Like, I okay, just can't do it. that's surprising actually for me. Yeah, I can't do it. My my favorite episode is probably like I didn't prepare like you did, so this is off the top of my head. That's but okay. probably the episode where they find out that Robin is a teenage Canadian pop sensation. Yeah, uh, Robin Sparkles. because <laughs> uh, it comes out of nowhere. Like good. you're you're like ten minutes into the episode and you're trying to figure out where the plot of the episode's going and and then they drop that on you and it, right like yeah. isn't it like again like like I said I've I've only really seen so much and and so like whatever uh isn't the whole thing is just she's like she's like kind of hiding a secret the whole episode and they're trying to figure out what it is they finally get her to like break and she yeah. tells them or something or they figure it out don't they figure Ted- it out without her. Ted is like grilling her the whole episode. Barney has left to go find the answer, and we don't see him again until the very end. Oh, that's and, awesome! Fuck, I forgot about that. He's great. And Ted, Ted, oh yeah, Neil Patrick Harris is Barney's the star great. of the show. He's awesome. hands down. Yeah. Um, but Ted thinks he's got it narrowed down because he's he gets Robin to admit that she's been married in Canada 
to a guy right. the whole time. And they, you know, he's convinced that that's the secret. And then Barney shows up at the last minute with the videotape of the music video <laughs> and he pops it in. And the first like 10 seconds, it's like, Oh wow. Robinson porn. And then they throw another twist on you where it's no, it's not a porno. It's yeah. this awesome. pop teenage sensation. So yeah, they yeah, wish it was big fan. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, you know what? Uh, it's fine. Like, you know what? I, I, I can't, it's not young Sheldon. I can't sure. But yeah. Thank Christ. Uh, fuck who watches that? Um, my, my number nine is, uh, is happy endings. If you're not familiar with it, there was a, a friends inspired and new girl inspiring show, uh, that took place in Chicago of six friends that just kind of hung out and, um, Similar to Friends, uh, you know, little things were different kind of thing. Um, the difference with the show is, I think, that um, it played on a few different types of comedy that we really hadn't seen a show kind of do at once before. And uh, I think New Girl perfected it, but I, I do think Happy Endings kind of laid a little bit of the groundwork there. Uh, like only maybe a year or two before, like there, there wasn't a much of a, a time difference either. Um, but yeah, happy endings, a fantastic show. Casey Wilson from Saturday night live. Uh, Damon Wayans jr. Is in it. Uh, Alicia Cuthbert, of course, former uh, girlfriend of both Sean Avery and uh, current wife of uh, Dion Phaneuf. Uh, it's just, it's, it's a fantastic show. It's, uh, it's, 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 very witty, very punny, and uh, I would highly recommend people check it out. Uh, I will say about this, it's the only show on my list that did not end under its own terms. And it even kind of ended under its own terms in a way, because like uh, the only reason it didn't have a fourth season and beyond is because uh, the cast at the time was all filled with people that were kind of branching out into other comedic ventures they couldn't get them all under contract sort of thing there was a contracting dispute and then uh abc kind of just let it float off kind of thing and uh there have been talks about renewing it and trying to get them all under contract but there are rights issues and shit it's just one of those shows that kind of got tied up in legal issues uh my favorite episode i would say is um the premiere of season two, episode one, uh, Black's Snake Home is the uh, title of the episode. Uh, basically, the premise of this show is um, Alicia Cuthbert was going to marry this guy. His name's Dave. Uh, they split at the altar, but they have the same group of friends. So now it's super awkward because they broke up and now they all have to hang out kind of thing. Right. And so uh, season two begins the... Um, they get into a huge fight at the end of season one, right after they were like getting their friendship back together and everything. And now it's really awkward with the friend group, like more so than it was before. Uh, Jane, who is Alicia Cuthbert's sister in the show is trying to basically be the parent with dual custody. And she's trying to hang out with both of them and remarking about how bad their decision-making is even separate from each other. Like they're just both disasters. I won't go too much into detail, but Alicia Cuthbert adopts a snake and names it Tyler. So she doesn't make great decisions. Uh, it's just you know, a, Tyler. It's just a great show. Uh, I love it. And uh, it would be higher on my list. But again, 
the longevity factor. So hmm. now you, you said inspired by, and I just wanted to clarify. I, I thought both uh, happy endings and new girl started the same year. And that was the reason that uh, Damon Wayans had to leave new girl to join happy endings. Am I, am I wrong on that? Uh, it, you, you might be right. Uh, I don't, I don't remember when new girl started. I want, I, th- I thought it was 2012, 2013, um, and happy endings was 2011. Uh, here, here's what I do know is that, uh, happy endings was one of the highest rated sitcoms on television at its time. And I, I just find the first three seasons of happy endings kind of, um, it's, it's, it's all, there's not a lot of fluff where I find with new girl, the first season and a bit, there are a lot of episodes where I just don't, they're just they're They haven't really found what they're trying to do. And then it kind of gets going. Like, it's just, I don't know. It, it, it felt a little more feel it out sort of thing, which is fine. Most shows do that. Uh, but I thought, I thought happy endings kind of knew what it was right from the get go. And um, that would be the difference for me. And they might've started the same year. I don't think so though, but they, they could have. Because yeah. Cause you, uh, Wayne's appears in the first episode, the pilot for New Girl, and then he's mysteriously gone from then on until season four. And I always understood it as he it had might have an agreement been. with happy endings and it got it picked been. up at the last minute and yada yada. But um, oh, I believe you, you loan. No, no, you, you, you have a point, unless I'm wrong on the year that happy endings started. But uh, New Girl is 2011. I, I'm pretty sure happy endings is 2011. So I think they do overlap. There you go. Uh, yeah, they, they overlap. Yeah, but well, I, I don't know. I just, that, that was the whole thing when I watched New Girls. I just, I found, uh, I found that they were fairly adjacent. And I, I, I think that New Girl in the later seasons kind of had some plots that Happy Endings had in the earlier seasons. Uh, so I just always kind of took it as, as, as a show that was kind of inspired one another sort of thing. But uh, yeah, interesting. Mm. The more you know. New Girl, also a great show. Uh, probably would have been fifteenth or sixteenth on my list. Like it was in there. It's good. It's a good show. Okay, really like it. I, I believe you. You loaned my girlfriend uh, the box set of Happy Endings at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have caught a few episodes watching with her. I don't remember the snake episode per se. I'll have to check that out. Is it online anywhere? Can I can I stream it somewhere? Happy Endings is on Amazon Prime for uh, today's episode, sponsored by now. What I will say is the last time I watched it, they gave me a warning. It's like, yeah, we're taking this off in like nine days. So it's not on there for much longer. So if you want to catch a few episodes, uh, get onto it. Uh, if you're looking to catch the whole series, I have the whole series on DVD. Uh, maybe I'll start charging like Blockbuster to loan it out. Yeah. And then in, in, in like 10 years, you have your own little business. That's right. Okay. My number nine is uh, Two and a Half Men. Yeah. I recently went back and rewatched it. It is probably only this low because it went on for far too long and anything involving Ashton Kutcher is not worth watching, say aside from that very first episode where um, Charlie Sheen is killed off uh, off screen and they, they bring in they bring in Ashton. Everything else that he does, it's 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 fine. It's not great. It's it's passable television. It's it's better than Young Sheldon. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, when yeah, when they've got John Cryer 
and Angus T. Jones and Charlie Sheen going seasons three through six. Some of the best television, uh, bar none, for sure, for me. Um, big fan. Like I said, I went back, rewatched it. I was expecting to be uh, wildly blown away by the sexism. And uh, I don't know if I was too young at the time to, to recall, but um, uh, a lot of the jokes ended up being at the expense of the dudes themselves, which I, I found was yeah. uh, fairly refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, uh, again, very fair. It's, uh, it's a good show. Uh, my number eight is uh, a show we've done a top ten on in and of itself in the past. Wow. Uh, it is that '70s show. Uh, my favorite episode is season three, episode one. As I stated on the episode we did, I went back and checked it because I couldn't remember. But this is for sure my favorite <laughs> episode. Uh, Reefer Madness. It's uh, it's a classic. It's um, you know the the gang doing drugs. Uh, red the whole reefer madness video and everything like that. Kelso laughing cause he's high on pot, uh, in the reefer madness video yelling at him. I'll, I'll kick your ass so hard. Your nose will bleed. It's a classic. I, uh, absolutely love that episode. I love that show. The reason it's eight and not higher is the same reason nine and 10 are not a little bit higher. If they were as consistent as they were in season two, three, and probably four, all the way through, this would be one of the greatest sitcoms. Of, well, it is already one of the great. It be it might be like second or third greatest sitcom of all time, but it didn't quite get there. It didn't have the longevity, unfortunately, and that's fine. That's going to happen when you cast a bunch of young actors in a role. They're going to leave. So, uh, great, great show. Like it's just phenomenal. So, it's my eight. Uh, my eight is one of your honorable mentions, which is uh, everybody loves Raymond. Mm, classic. Uh, this is a show that I admittedly don't spend enough time with. I will absolutely throw it on anytime that I see it on the TV guide, but I have no access to it uh, via, you know, any DVD boxes. It doesn't appear to be any on any streaming services that I know of. It was on Crave for a long time and they've taken it off. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think as we touched on last week, I'm a fan of a, a couple of the prominent uh, mother characters that appear on the show. And uh, th- like that, that is a show where sometimes the, like in kind of in contrast, I guess, to, um, to uh, two and a half men where there's a lot of jokes back to back to back to back to back. And you're, you're kind of trying to keep up with, 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 with the pace there. Everybody lives like a lot of the time you find yourself in a, a state where something funny isn't necessarily happening. It's, it's brewing in the background and it might take a little bit of time to get there, <laughs> but, but yeah. while they're brewing it, there isn't a character that they put on screen that you don't love. Like say, aside from like the kids, you know, that don't really play a big part of most of the time to the script. Any of the, the, the main family members there, um, Robert, Ray, you know, uh, Marie, it uh, doesn't matter who. You put any of the main family members on screen and in the same room and get them talking. Doesn't have to be a joke. It kills. Mm-hmm. And um, it's I'll unbelievable. It time and time again. It's unbelievable. Like, I, I didn't put it on my top 10, but like, I. I do think it's a top 10 sitcom of all time. 
because I, I think it does a lot of things in itself that is just, it's insane. And to your point, like, uh, it reminds me of a play. The, the show reminds me of a play because every episode, max, maximum, there are six scenes max. Yeah. But most episodes are like two or three scenes. And, and, and it's amazing because it's just a conversation. It's like a Tarantino movie. It's, it, it's fucking, it's so cool. <laughs> and like, I, I, I admire that, but you're right. Like jokes brewing in the background here. Here's one thing. When I rewatched the show, I was trying to find the episode and I never found the joke, but I know it's there is um, there's an episode where Robert is for some reason, just like, cause he's, he's got stomach issues. He's fucking drinking Pepto-Bismol non-stop like he just won't yeah. stop drinking it you know what i'm yeah, talking about right i just I yeah what episode and like there's an episode where they're having an argument in the kitchen and the only family member in bray's kitchen the only family member that's not there is robert and toward the end of the argument he walks in the back door and he's holding a pepto-bismol fucking bottle and every and the crowd's laughing and as soon as they quiet down we're all out of pepto-bismol and everyone loses it like everyone like the fucking crowd loses it. You're losing it at home. It's it's fucking great. Um, who who would you say your favorite Everybody Loves Raymond character is? Because that that's always been the thing for me is narrowing down who the funniest character on the show is. You're not wrong. Like that is. I had a conversation the other day. That's where it stemmed from, and just someone telling me that the, someone told me that Brad Garrett makes the show, and I don't I don't agree with that as much as I think. He's phenomenal in the show. Like, phenomenal in the show. It's not the same show without him, for sure. Um, I, I don't think... I think it's a rare show where it doesn't work without without any of them. It doesn't work yeah. without any of the five essentials, I guess. And and they get through the whole thing with them all, which is, like, an mm-hmm. amazing testament to the, to the show's longevity. It's an incredible show. Like it's, it's the Patrick Marlowe of sitcoms. <laughs> they, they, yeah, they did a good job of of casting. Like it's just like they never had anyone who was going to leave. Really, you know. Yeah. Like when you look back at it in hindsight, like they cast everyone at a time where they were either committed to the show, and even the characters that they committed. Uh, like the amazing thing is, right? Like they they didn't ask the Sweeten kids to be there every day. Because the kids are only in, they're only in like 40 episodes or something like that. Right. Like they're, they're not in most of them. They're, they're talked about every episode. But like Allie and Jeffrey and Michael, they don't actually appear on screen in a lot of the episodes. And, and I think that was a genius of it too. was just like, these kids are never going to get to a point where they need to leave because they're only part time anyway. You know, like, and, and they cast them all from the same family. Like that was that was smart too. It's uh, it's a well done show. Yeah. Uh, to answer your question, it, it's it's got to be um, it's got to be Frank for me. I would say it's probably for me too. Yeah. yeah. It's um, but it's it's hard to pick. Even it's just like right. Not non non main cast member shout out alert for uh, Fred Willard appearing as Hank McDougal. Um, yeah, in the show is great too. Pat's fucking. Oh my awesome. god, Pat kicks oh ass. Oh my god. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Big fan. Yeah. Uh, my number seven is Kirby Enthusiasm. Uh, okay. Yeah. It, I, I, don't, I don't know why it's not higher. It was one of those ones where it was just like, it, it feels wrong to be seven. 
but I, I love Curb Your Enthusiasm. It is, uh, it's the smartest show I've ever seen in my life uh, for comedy. It's, it's genius. And uh, the reason it's so genius is, I mean, it's mostly Larry David. But it's also the fact that they kind of go into episodes with just an idea, and a lot of it is mad libbed. And I think, uh, I think the the bloopers and the cuts of that series. I don't watch that kind of stuff, but they've got to be amazing because it's just like there are stuff they leave in where it's like fuck, like that's the joke you left in, eh? Like that's that's crazy. Um, yeah, it's it's genius. There there are definitely episodes every season where it's just like I don't know, really know what they were thinking. Um, but when it hits, it's another one kind of similar to Arrested Development. Holy shit. Like when it hits, it hits. Uh, favorite episode. If I had to pick one, I, I, this was the show I had to think the hardest on what my favorite episode would be. It was kind of down to three, but I'll pick one. Uh, season six, episode five, uh, the freak book. Uh, Larry purchases a gift for Ted Danson, who he's friends with in the show. Uh, they go to a, a party for him. And uh, he buys him a book of freaks. It's got a bunch of circus freaks in it. And he thinks that's the gift that is best for like Ted Danson's 63rd birthday or whatever. And of course, Ted opens it and he's like, oh, thanks, Larry. Like, he doesn't give a fuck kind of thing. And then uh, they're like, they're doing like this whole presentation thing. Like one of the daughters is singing. And uh, Larry and Jeff Garland are sitting on the on the couch, just flipping through the freak book, laughing at the freaks. And they get kicked out of the party because they're laughing at the freaks kind of thing. Uh, they have a limo driver who gets too drunk at the party. Then he can't drive them home. And it's this whole disaster. Uh, John McEnroe's in the episode. I'm not going to tell you why. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a great episode. Good show. Now, the only thing I know about Curb Your Enthusiasm is that um, uh, it helped get a guy off of uh, murder charges. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, I've admittedly i've never seen the show it's it's not out of spite or anything like that i no, it's, you know what it's it's not just, for everyone i'll say that that's for sure and 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 i don't know if it is for me or not like it's one of those things where i, I for so, so long have been waiting for seinfeld to be available on a streaming service it's so great go back i know i know oh, right. and, I, and i'm watching it i but uh... I was gonna say too. I always used to be like, "Man, it's on Crave," and you would you've told me a hundred and fifty. Yeah, times. I don't have Crave. Basically, yeah. I made you get Crave by being like, "Man, it's on Crave." Pretty much. Um, so like, I'm 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 rewatching Seinfeld, but like, I've for whatever reason, and this goes back to like kind of what I talked about with How I Met Your Mother. I've got to do it in the right order, and I I just something inside me says that I have to finish Seinfeld before I go on to Kirby Enthusiasm. I, I know there's no, like, like real, no, you know, no justification you're, you're for right. that. No, you are right. Okay. Yep. 100% you do. Okay. Yep. No, you're, um, yeah, don't, don't, you'll, you'll appreciate more of Curb because it's That's not, it's not a sequel, hope. but it's, it's kind of a spinoff in a way, I would say. Okay. Um, there, there also is a plot line in season. Well, I mean, the Seinfeld cast appears in the show throughout. I'm aware. There's a plot line from <laughs> six to seven where Larry's rebooting Seinfeld. Uh, <laughs> okay. You need to have seen Seinfeld to get most of what's going on. So yeah, fair. That's fair. Yeah, you, Good. 
you definitely shouldn't finish Curb before you finish Seinfeld kind of thing. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, number seven for me is 30 Rock. Um, That's my number six, so let's fucking talk about it right now. There it is. Yeah. Nice. 30 Rock. Wow. Um, you, you're telling me that someone came up with, like, not someone, but, like, uh, Tina Fey comes up with the idea, like, we're going to make a TV show based on the writers of Saturday Night Live and talk about all the antics that go on behind the scenes in terms of coming up with ideas and dealing with corporate management and and yada yada. Uh, yeah, sign me the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live is fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. Recently, it's been so-so, but, like, you can tell that the, the work that they have to put in to put on a good show at SNL week in and week out has to be some of the most insane, like choreographed writing that there is on television. And this show just embodies everything yeah. that I assume, <laughs> like this is what I assumed happened every week <laughs> at SNL. And they made a TV show out of it. And it's like, wow, this is fantastic. I love every moment of this. I want to watch 20 years, 40 years of this to catch up. I go back to the Chevy Chase era. I want to know what that guy was doing on his desk between wow. between episodes. Um, I, I will wa- I will watch 30 Rock anytime, any place, anywhere. Yeah. And I don't really care what the plot is. It's fantastic. Yeah. No, you're you're you nailed it. Um, it. It's one of those shows where, and I'll say like to your point, you'll watch it anytime, and you want to hear about the different eras. The good news about 30 Rock, and they fully embrace this, is that it is very, very, very rebootable. Like, very <laughs> rebootable. If, if they want to fire that back up at any time, they, they absolutely can. And I think going back to Curb Your Enthusiasm, like, Curb Your Enthusiasm's kind of own that, too. Like, it, he'll take, like, he took, like, five or six years off between the season at one point. Because he was just like, oh, I'm just, I'm just I, don't, I don't have anything ready. So 30 Rock could completely do that. And I, I do sort of wonder if they'll ever do something where it's like maybe a throwback to uh, to earlier days and, and or like even just some sort of a reference to like older shows kind of like that. Because uh, there's jokes to be had there. I wonder if it does that. Um, but yeah, if you've never watched 30 Rock, it's, uh, it's worth the hype. Like it's just, uh, it's another show. Like it's just joke after joke after joke. Like it's just, it just doesn't stop hitting you. They, they, it's super funny, and uh, it's to be expected because it's writers of a of a sketch comedy show, and a lot of it is just it, it's just kind of a giant sketch. So uh, it's a great show. My favorite episode. It was down to two, so I'll give you my two. Season one, episode ten. It's called the Rural Juror. Ah, the juror. The concept of the episode is that Jenna Maroney, who's the annoying uh, sort of actress that is alongside Tina Fey as the lead of the show, uh, uh, is in a movie called The Rural Juror. But because of the nature of those words together, they're not exactly sure what the name of the movie's called. Uh, Tina Fey can't figure it out. There's a lot of jokes. But the best part of the episode, and it's not even close, is Rachel Dratch from from SNL is in the episode playing Barbara Walters <laughs> who's, <laughs> who's famous for not enunciating everything and so like there's like the first joke is just like we're going to commercial but when we come back we'll be back with Jenna Maroney 
who's here to talk about her new movie. <laughs> okay. That's the whole joke. It's just like they don't know what the movie's called. And then Rachel Dratch does a whole last scene later where she's interviewing Jem and is not like it's not saying any word clearly. Oh man, it, it is classic. You were gonna say sorry. There, there, there's two things that I, I want to touch on with with that before you move on to your other uh, episode, and and that is that I absolutely love the fact that Rachel Dratch appears throughout the show in different roles yeah. like she plays like so many. close to 10 different people in that show it's fantastic i looked it up one time i'm pretty sure rachel dratch is in like 17 episodes and she doesn't play the same character twice from what i can remember like i don't think she does it's fantastic um and the other thing that i'll say is that there there have been commercials i want to say maybe maybe on amazon maybe on Netflix somewhere that they promote something called the juror. And every time it happens, <laughs> I, I want to like, I, I never, I'm never prepared. Like I don't have my phone ready with me. Right. I don't have like oh, the pause button, when that stuff happens. but I always want to like grab it and be like, record it and type in rural above, above the, the word mark and send it to everybody. Oh, Cause yeah. it's, it's, but, oh, but, but type in rural, like don't rural juror. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unbelievable. My other favorite episode, and I think it is the best episode of the series, is season two, episode eleven, um, Milf Island. <laughs> yeah. There's a show yeah. on NBC uh, that they've called that they call Milf Island, and it's basically it's literally Survivor, but it's milfs, <laughs> and um, it's an episode where the first time I watched the show, I thought it was funny. And the more times I watched the episode, I think it's one of the funniest episodes in the history of television, of anything. Um, to the point where, oh god, I can't remember his name. There's a guy who is in every comedic movie and show, and he is the host of Milf Hunter, and he's basically playing Jeff Probst. And uh, when they eliminate one of the MILFs, the line is like, no one wants to do you anymore. You're gone. And the, and the woman just gets up like a contestant and survivor would just begrudgingly walks up. And instead of burning out her torch, she takes off her top. <laughs> Every time I know it's coming and she does it and they just, and they blur it out. And it's just like, it, I fucking die every time. It's so good. Uh, Milf Hunter. That, that that's a really good one, honestly. No uh, my my favorite episode of Thirty Rock is a bit of a cop out, perhaps, because I think it was designed to appeal to people like me. But uh, it is season two, episode one, Seinfeld yeah. Vision. Yeah, no, it's up there for me too. It's really good. Liz returns from the uh, the summer break because, as you know, they don't do SNL during the summer, and comes back. And um, her boss, uh, Baldwin, Jack, is uh, he had to work all summer and he's freaking out because he's going to lose his job. And he's come up with this great idea to save to save his to, to save his job with NBC. And it's uh, they've got access to all the, the, the stills of Seinfeld. So he's going to start inserting Seinfeld into different NBC related projects. And and that's how he's going to, you know, make sure that he sticks around. 
which is like funny off the hop because you're thinking like, okay, that's ridiculous, but good for you. Like that that's a nice little joke. They they go into the whole thing about you know like Jenna gets fat in the episode and is trying to hide it from everybody and and uh, and Tracy's broken up with his his wife, so he's like using Kenneth as his office wife to do everything for him and uh and and liz has some issues with with her love life but the entire time they like break away to like a scene of like ncis new york where it's like they're scoping out a like an actual like filmed like scenes from the show where they're like going through a crime scene and they're they're talking about getting evidence and it like cuts away to part of seinfeld which like coincidentally happened to talk about like evidence there's just jerry seinfeld Evidence? What evidence? What are you talking about? There's no evidence, and it's like synced up. They did such a good job of syncing those like different. Oh my god! It's and then Seinfeld and even, shows up later to. I was going to say he shows yeah. up and he's just like, "I'm not doing this." Like, what are you talking about? Oh <laughs> I get all excited. It's fucking fantastic. I will say genius too, like, writing. Another one too, and I, I couldn't put it as my favorite, but like, there's an episode where they do an entire ass episode of a spin-off show that Tracy Jordan or Morgan but Jordan in the show his wife gets her own spin-off show and it's called Queen of Jordan it's in the 5th season <laughs> and the whole episode is just an episode of this like fake reality show that she stars in and it's amazing like everyone in the show appears at some point kind of thing but like it's mostly just Sherry Shepard who has like 12 lines in the whole series leading up to this. And it's just like queen of Jordan. Cause she gets her own show sort of thing. And even that is just like, man, it is an absolute genius show. 30 rocket. It is fantastic. Uh, uh, you owe me an episode now. Cause we're, we're on your sixth because that was my sixth. Oh, that's true. Uh, my sixth is home improvement. Um, oh, figured it would be higher. I, I, you know what? Honestly, I did too. It has not aged. Well, I will mm. say that about it. Oh, no. Where, where I thought two and a half men wasn't going to age well, and it kind of did in a lot of ways. Uh, Home Improvement has not. Uh, I went back and rewatched it uh, not too long ago. Uh, it still fucking kills, but um, I remember watching it through with my girlfriend. Is that the issue, or a lot of sexism, a lot of mm. like jokes made at the expense? Like at the end of the day, like Tim Allen is still he's very much like charlie harper where he's getting a lot of the brunt of the jokes but there there are a lot that go by that are like yeah that's that's probably not in the best light um but regardless i absolutely love the show it's fantastic um wilson the neighbor is probably my favorite character you you can't go wrong anytime the two of them meet in the backyard it's always a good uh, sign when your favorite character is a character that doesn't appear on screen yeah I, I won't call it my favorite episode. It's a good one. But my favorite scene has got to be um, I don't know the episode's name. I don't know the season of the episode. I, I literally came very, very ill prepared for this. But that's okay. Uh, it, it involves a, a cold Google open like where the Beach Boys, because, because um, uh, Tim Allen's neighbor's last name is Wilson, uh, he's related to the Wilsons from the Beach Boys. So at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> Uh, they've got the members of the Beach Boys standing no, outside in the rock. backyard. Oh my god! And I haven't seen that show in Tim 16 Allen years, though. So yeah, 
Tim Allen comes out and he's super excited, like, "Whoa, wow, the Beach Boys! That's fantastic! I love you guys. Uh, can you sing one of one of your your great car hit songs?" Because he's a big car guy, and he starts naming all of these different car songs from like the late fifties, early sixties that are not the Beach Boys. <laughs> And and they're all just standing there like, yeah, that's not us. That's we didn't do that one. And it's, and eventually they all get on and they they sing Little Deuce Coop at the beginning of the episode. It, it's a really charming little episode, and it's always kind of stuck with me. My number five is a show that I am currently rewatching that I haven't watched in uh, it's got to be close to ten years. Not not a single episode, I would say. Uh, that's not true. There was there was a time where I was rewatching like maybe season half of it. Uh, but I'm doing a full rewatch of the show. I've always loved it, and I still love it. Uh, Malcolm in the Middle. I don't really have a flaw in the show, and to be quite honest with you, it 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 probably would be higher if not for the fact that I haven't seen it in so long. I think I'm maybe selling it short. Uh, as to I, I used to watch this show all the time, and uh, I loved it then, and I've watched the first two seasons now. And uh, it kills me. And some of my favorite stuff that I know from the series hasn't even happened yet. Uh, like the first two seasons are notoriously like two of the weaker seasons of the show. And it, the first two seasons are amazing. Uh, so I, I'm very excited to remember what's coming because I'm sure I don't remember 95% of it. But uh, my favorite episode is season four, episode three. I haven't seen it in 10 years, but I'm pretty sure it's still my favorite. Uh, the Family Reunion, where uh, they go to Hal's Family Reunion. And the entire episode, Hal's distant family treats Lois like absolute garbage. And Hal is Hal's a good man. He was played by Brian Cranston. He can't be a bad man. Because uh, Brian Cranston's never played a bad man. The family... Like the kids just kind of get sick of hearing Lois get put down. After a while, they decide to sabotage the family picnic, and they basically uh, find a golf cart that's on the family because they had money. This family, uh, this part of the family, anyway, uh, they, they find a golf cart and they tie a bunch of shit to it, and uh, to the song of "Into Deep" by Sum Forty One, they have a trailer hitch and they tie the tablecloth for the big dinner and they fucking drive all of the food and everything off of the table with the golf cart and they drive around with the golf cart and sabotage everything there is to sabotage with the family picnic and because there's nothing else to do they drive the golf cart into the family pool and sit there calmly as they sink to the bottom of the pool and it's one of my favorite scenes in sitcom history. Uh, but I love the show. <laughs> I love the episode. And it's just the whole idea of the show, I think, is perfect. Uh, and if you're wondering, with older shows, how they hold up, going back to your point, Malcolm in the Middle probably holds up better now than it did back in the day. If you rewatch it, uh, a lot of it's commentary on uh, race issues, uh, economic issues. Pretty good. <laughs> pretty good it's it's kind of amazing so good show mm-hmm. good it's uh one that i remember from my youth more so uh that i thought was funny then 
Uh, obviously, I wasn't in a position to sit down and, you know, watch it in in its proper order at the time. But uh, I might get I might revisit that one for sure because right? I, I don't have anything bad to say about it. It's just kind of passed with time, I, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number five is uh, one that has, I believe, just finished, just wrapped up, and I've yet to see the last season. Can't be uh, young Sheldon then, because that's got another is, twelve ooh, seasons no, left. Yeah, they're gonna they're, Lohr, gonna, yeah. they're gonna do it as long until the show connects with Big Bang Theory. Mm-hmm. Like the final episode is gonna be him moving in with fucking Leonard. That's what. Yeah, it's... they'll bring back Jim Parsons for the cameo in the season finale. And... He's he's gonna have to play the kid eventually. The kid's getting so old. Yeah, eventually it's I'm gonna have to be Jim yeah. Parsons. No kidding. Do you have a brother, Jim? Do you have a younger brother, perhaps? Um, no, th- this show just wrapped up. I have not watched the final season. Um, I'm, I'm excited because it deals with some pretty heavy issues as the show has done throughout its history quite well, I will add. Uh, and that would be Brooklyn nine, nine. Nice. Um, it, uh, I don't know. I, I can't really explain this one. This, this, it, I, I, I don't like the office. I don't think I've it needs never... explaining. It, it okay. is a very funny show that I just don't like. Like okay. <laughs> you don't have to explain it to me. It's a good show. It might be the funniest show that I just don't I can't get into. But it That's is fair. it is great. It's really good. Yeah. It's good. They they do a, a really like I said, they do a really good job of touching on sensitive subject in a way that isn't funny. Like they, they kind of know when to pull back and have those dramatic moments. And um that's something that I've always really applauded it for. And uh, obviously with the events that took place last summer, um, alluding, you know, with the black lives movement protests and police are perhaps not the, the focus of um, comedy these days. Uh, They, they did say that they were going to address that uh, pretty heavily in this final season and find a nice way to wrap up um, because they themselves found that, like the the issues going on in the world kind of uh, you know moved past the need for television of that type and yeah and that's something that i, I feel like that's like to come out and say that is is so powerful because like even at the end of the day like you're talking about people's jobs like they're they're like the the main actors the main characters yeah they'll they'll find other jobs somewhere but uh the production roadie on season two you know like he he might not have those opportunities but they they as a as a team came together and made those statements so i was really impressed by that and uh, i've always enjoyed it I, th- I think it's fucking hilarious um and if i had to pick one episode uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna tug on i'm gonna tug on brutes's uh heartstrings a little bit on purpose and that would be uh season five episode one and it's called the big house and uh spoiler alert uh, main character Jake Peralta ends up in jail at the end of season uh, four, and uh, in season five, uh, it's he's waking up. It's his first day, not his first day, but it's a few months down the road, and it's it's our first day with him. And he wakes up, and his cellmate is Caleb, a uh, cannibalistic serial killer, played by Tim Meadows, and it is fucking fantastic. I thought I'd uh, I, seen that far, but maybe I haven't. I, I, I don't remember that. I love Tim Meadows. I know you yeah, love Tim Meadows. Love Tim uh, Meadows. Love this Tim character Meadows. is fucking 
hilarious and like they I, use their guest I, stars very well in that show too they do yeah i i you hands down believe this is, this is yeah right? like yeah i think this is a character that was written specifically for tim meadows because he nails it he comes back i think uh later in the season as a callback they go visit him in prison for something else um fucking phenomenal big big fan and yeah and you're right like i didn't even think of that the the crossover with new girl they they both uh have an episode where they they are prominently involved in in part of the storyline so good stuff yeah no it's funny mm-hmm. it's just uh it's never i don't know i once won a uh, a local brooklyn 99 trivia night uh in town so wow that's it's my claim to fame congratulations thanks man yeah. i got a shirt that says slut with a pineapple on it for those that watch, they'll, they'll get it. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's a good one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> number four for me is uh, Parks and Recreation. And I'm, I'm as shocked to have it where I have it as people who know me probably are. Because I... I Look. I never really got into it till the last couple of years. What were you Sorry, are, are 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 you are you saying that you're shocked that you have it as high as you do, or that it's as low as it is? high? Oh, okay. Sorry, the way you were saying that, I was gonna say like, yeah, man, we're down to our like top four sitcoms of all time. Like, the, the, someone's got to come forth here. If but, you would have asked okay. me a week ago, I would not have thought that it would be in my top ten. Like, I didn't really consider wow. that. Like, the more I sat down and thought about it, it's like, yeah, I fucking love that show, man. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. Um. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll say a couple things about Parks and Rec here. First off, it it has longevity issues to me. Uh, but a lot of people like the later seasons. I don't. I don't. I I, I think it is very much like uh, Greg Daniels shows, like The Office that I'll get to. That peak. Will we? And they get to a peak and then they fall off the peak, but the show's still funny enough that people are fine. So seasons six and seven are, are okay. I don't love them. Um, season one is very poorly received. I think it's, I think it's good. I really like it. Um, season two is fine. Season three and four are amazing. And um, I think as a show, as it, as its whole, cause it kind of gets put side by side with the office. Cause they were on at the same time. Greg Daniels was kind of doing both. Uh, I think Parks and Rec as a whole is a better show. My favorite episode would be season four, episode four, uh, Pawnee Rangers, mostly because of the treat yourself joke, which has become one of the most well-known jokes from the show. Uh, Tom Haverford played by Aziz Ansari, who I don't like other than this show, but I fucking love him in the show. And Retta, who plays Donna. Uh, They have a day every year where they treat themselves. They go for manicures and they spend a bunch of money on themselves and they just do whatever they want. They want to fucking feel good. They want to feel amazing about themselves. And uh, this year, uh, Donna wants to include Ben Wyatt, who's played by Adam Scott, who, if you know Adam Scott, is an amazingly funny dude. But in Parks and Rec, he plays a very straight-laced dude just boring Ben Wyatt. Like, Ben Wyatt's kind of boring first few seasons. Uh, they want to include him. 
And Tom's like, no, he doesn't want to fucking do that. And they bring him along for that day. And Ben has no idea how to enjoy himself uh, relaxing. He has no idea how to do any of it. It's my favorite episode, literally, for the treat yourself joke. It's I. It might even be a B plot of the episode, but I think it's one of the funniest plots uh, of the whole series. I love the show. I think it's great. Um, I don't love some of the people separate from the show, but they play great actors uh, and actresses. Uh, great characters. Great characters. I guess what I'm looking for. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I have never seen it i've got nothing bad to say about it i've just this is kind of where i was going with my comments about brooklyn 99 where like i love that show but i've I've never really got into the officer parks and rec where the style of of the you know the the presentation to the audience is very much the same uh, have you seen much shows. of Parks and Rec, though? Because no, I know none. you've given the office yeah i know I, I know you've given the office a fair shake and you just don't like it and that's uh a lot of people don't but um as much as they're held cell by, side by side, I, I, they're very different shows for sure. The comedy mm. styles similar, but they're very different. Right. Yeah. You like no. Space Force, right? Uh, yeah. And you kind of like King of the Hill. Oh yeah. So, Greg Daniels. I think you like Greg Daniels. You just don't like The Office, which is fine. Yeah, that would be accurate, I guess. Like again i i know my like a my girlfriend loves the office and i know she loves parks and rec and that that's her big thing right now uh it's just a matter of i've never seen any of the the episodes so it's good give it give it a chance it is on prime and netflix it's everywhere can't get away from it Hmm. okay my number four, and and look we're into the like like i was going to make the comment for you the the top four the for some reason three gets a lot of notoriety the top three top three like that that's that's something that's these top four are for me at least like number one stands alone but two three four you could kind of interchange and i would be pretty much okay with uh for me number four is community Hmm. uh we've obviously talked about this show a lot on the podcast we had a whole episode dedicated to it uh i won't spend a lot of time discussing it no it's i will okay. say it's okay because it's my number three so we're going to talk about it uh we're going to oh, talk fair about it here anyway it doesn't matter yeah okay we're again um we we line up here so yeah my my i guess my end of the day my point was that i've i've got what i have in my mind as my favorite episode and i know for a fact that it doesn't line up with what we discussed not mere months ago um, James. exactly like that that's how great this show is is time is that... heals all and heals her to walk in to quote uh, yeah drake it, it it is fantastic every time I, I i go through the series it it changes i i i don't know what it is about this show i i almost you know what it is like the first time you watch community you're so i think i think that for me anyway you're embedded with uh, uh, Joel McHale's character, where you're you're kind of trying to relate everything that he portrays from a you know what you might call an advanced state of uh, interpretation, where he's not supposed to be there, but he is, and and all this, and 
the more I watch it, the more I start to take on the roles of the different characters within yeah. the study group. And each time around, it changes. There's something different. And right. I, I, it's it's genius in that way. Something that you don't pick up on the first couple times, but it's very layered, and it's part of the reason why. Like, even though I've only seen it a couple times through, like going back to if we if we included animated, like my the bulk of my shows would have been animated because I think it's easier to layer characters. You don't have to rely on acting and things like that too much when you right. when you do an animated series. It's easier to focus on the jokes, and that's why I think they're just genuinely funnier pound for pound in, in a lot of cases and so like to your point like i think i like as much as uh uh nerdy slash frat boys have kind of ruined the show like rick and morty's genius it's absolutely genius right and um like that's a whole thing with dan Harmon. it's just like everything is layered everything's layered and you can see it even in an animated show uh, but community does it so well where it's just like, it's literally on screen in front of you. And so nothing should really get by you two or three times into a watch. And, and it does like, there are things I, I still watch the show and it's just like, I pick up different jokes every time. And, uh, part of that's Chevy chase. Like Chevy chase has always been good for that. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing really, because it, uh, it's another one of those shows. I think as time goes on, it's going to age better and better really because it was super politically correct then it still is now and um the jokes are going to age that way yeah big fan uh for sure uh like i said we've talked about it a few times on the pod did you have a favorite episode you wanted to point out i i I guess today my favorite episode is uh documentary filmmaking redo with uh (laughs) yeah yeah uh for for those i guess who listen to the podcast that aren't aware of this um our 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 our, we have a fantasy league together me james bunch of other guys and uh we have since renamed it the luis guzman fantasy hockey league and we are planning to pay for a cameo of his this year to get him to do our draft introduction so i'm very excited about that it's gonna be good uh, $200 well spent. Um, but yeah, the, the episode is, uh, it's a masterpiece. I think it's one of the best episodes of television ever made comedy or not. Um, it is basically apocalypse now, like, uh, uh, what's it called? Fall of darkness. I can't remember what it's called right now. Got too many white claws. Um, okay. Oh yeah. It's just a documentary about the making of this horrible thing. They're, they're, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it because it's so amazing. It's one of those things I would literally just say, just go and watch because it's, it's, uh, it's not, like, I'm not like saying it's not funny is not the right way of doing it justice, but it, it really help. is not, it's not it's funny, funny the first time you watch it. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's just well, like, it's so obscure and out there that you watch it and yeah. you're like, you get some of the jokes, but okay. the, the grander scheme of the episode, you're just like, okay. Here, here's two things you have to be aware of going into the episode because Community is one of those epi- or one of those shows where um, the more you know about certain things, the better it's going to go. So first off, to watch Community, or sorry, to watch this episode, 
you this is the only example of a favorite episode where I would have to say you actually need to watch most of the rest of the series before you get to this episode. Like just start community from the beginning and just let it go and let it let like watch the whole thing and then get to this episode when you get there. Um, the second thing is you need to have a little bit of knowledge about Apocalypse Now and uh, the making of that movie and it'll be a little bit funnier then but for sure watch the whole series before you get to that episode I would say uh, Sorry, that was so your number three? that's my number three so it's your number three again you you wow. have rights here alright my number three is Seinfeld I know I didn't Cliche. think it was going to be on your list to be honest with you yeah no uh, fantastic it, it, it's a great wow. show it's, it's probably the greatest sitcom of all time it just doesn't quite make my favorite that that you know it, it's, it's in there it's top three it's fantastic big fan um this is another show where we did a whole you know top 10 episode individual of of today's so i, I again don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about it but i, I will say i'm i'm not going to go with my favorite episode but i'm, I'm going to go with what i consider to be an underrated episode and i might be wrong on this you know you're not um, wrong Every episode of Seinfeld's underrated. That's why it's so good. That's why it's so good. They're, 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 I might find out that this is everybody's favorite for some reason. Like, but, um, my underrated, and again, I can't wait to be proven wrong, is The Parking Garage from Season 3, Episode 6. Why would that be wrong? That's an I, icon- I that's iconic. Iconic. I'm, I'm saying it's underrated. Oh, oh, under. Well, uh, yeah, okay. I, 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 th- I think among fans, it's iconic. Uh, maybe for casual fans, yeah, it's 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 really funny. It's really good. Like I, it never seems to show up on like top ten lists. I guess is my point. That's fair. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, yeah. That's fair. And I I think it's it's pretty it's pretty perfect as an episode. Like the idea that they're trapped oh, in like there's no resolution to the episode, right? Like like this is a, a show that comes out. At a time where you're you're expecting there to be some sort of like okay like no right. George got home to have dinner with his in laws no right. oh like like you're waiting for that and it, ne- it never comes and it, it makes it that much more funny and yeah. that's why I love it yeah it's good uh, Euromycetes poisoning for sure um, mm-hmm. honestly the the only thing with the parking garage for me and it's not a knock on the episode. I've seen it probably more than I've seen any other episode. Uh, oh. So it's, it's hard for me to really... Yeah. Uh, my number two is uh, The Office, to probably no surprise. Uh, my favorite episode of The Office is season four, episode nine, Dinner Party. They go to a dinner party at Michael's house with Jan. Uh, Jim and Pam are invited. Uh, Andy and... Um, Angela are invited and uh, spoiler alert Dwight and his childhood babysitter show up pound for pound I have seen it a lot of times and it is the hardest that I laugh at probably anything movie, show, anything seen it so many times never gets old it's incredible I think pound for pound, the joke, the writing, it's insane. So uh, I love that episode. What I will say about The Office negatively 
is uh, it is one of those shows where if you're not already into it, I would caution you. Seasons seven to nine are pretty bad. Uh, you're only gonna like them if you like the first six seasons because they're they're not that funny. They're they're really only funny because of nostalgia reasons. So that is a complication. But uh, yeah, if you haven't seen the show, you're probably not going to get the dinner party uh, if that's the first episode you go to. So I would just watch Dundies. It's it's season two. It's an episode. Uh, it might be the finale, like 14 or something like that. That would be if you've never seen the show, watch that. Um, but if you have seen the show, my favorite episode is Dinner Party. Now, as, as a non-fan, can you mm-hmm. maybe answer a question for me? Yes, sir. Because I've, I've seen this a lot about like kind of an excuse for fans to get into the office. And that is in season one uh, that Michael Scott as a character is vastly different than the Michael Scott we get the rest of the series. I wouldn't forward. say vastly, um, but he's more, they, they tone him down a little. Like, not much, though. Like, they tone him down, like, 5%. Um, season one, he is just a dick, for the most part. Um, season two, he's a lot more likable. And um, they need that. Like, if they if they didn't do that, the show wouldn't have worked in the reboot. Um, he, he is, uh, at least for me, right? Like, I, I know people who watch The Office that just don't, uh, like Steve Carell or don't like Michael Scott as a character. And for me, he is the bread and butter of the show. Like without him, it, it, it simply doesn't work. I like season one, but he's he's a dick in season one. His character is a dick, but it's still funny for me. Like I don't get offended by much. So um, mm-hmm. I, I enjoy season one for what it is, but season two, it hits a different stride. It's uh, It's a little more tolerable, but it's still super edgy. And, uh, yeah, they make an adjustment to him, I would say, for sure. Okay, my number two is New Girl. Wow! Wow! I was trying to figure out what the Phantom one in here that I didn't know what it was. Wow! That's crazy. All right, cool. Uh, Yeah, Uh, this is a, a show where, again, like we talked a lot about happy endings and, and the role that it played in, in, in kind of the same atmosphere uh, in terms of like the comedy that new girl has but like new girl just i think it came to me at the right time in my life and made a lot of really strong jokes to me at the right time in my life and i've i've kind of found a, a really strong connection with it i a lot of the characters are very relatable to me uh, to to people in my life, which is fascinating, uh, slightly depressing, I suppose, but um, is what it is. And um, the the only knock I have against new like I I know you know what my number one is, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'll we'll get to that in a moment. But I think what you don't realize is the the only thing keeping New Girl from number one for me is the the pace of the series in the middle seasons where i i will watch new girl from the start and i will think oh 
this event or this episode or this character is coming in 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 five seasons. I've I've got five seasons before that happens, and then two seasons later it happens, and you realize that this is not as deep as a series as you might think it is. Maybe that's just me, but I find myself when I watch it through from the beginning, I get to a certain point and it, it, it turns into almost a, a different plot line because I know what's coming as someone that's seen it in, you know, in hindsight and I can go, wow, I'm, I'm running out of episodes and like now the, the runway is a lot shorter than I, than I thought it was. And that's taken a few watch throughs to, to really grasp. So are you saying, um, correct me if I'm wrong. Are you saying that new girl is more is new to you in a way? Like it's, it's still, uh, unmastered in a sense. Is that what, is that what you're getting at? No, I'm. I guess what I'm saying is, is like, I even even at um, a, a few playthroughs uh, on the entirety of the series, I still expect more out of it. You know, in a weird way, like in terms of content. Like I'll be in season three, thinking, "Wow, I've got four seasons ahead of me," and I'm picturing like six seasons in my head. If that makes any sort of clarity, it doesn't to me, but it, it might have made sense. Okay. For example, like, like, uh, yeah, here, no, here, go here, ahead. Yeah, here, here's one example. Like, uh, you've seen the show. You, you, you know that uh, Winston becomes a cop at one point. I'm, I'm, I'm always I'm watching familiar. the show, knowing that he becomes a cop. But in my mind, it's like, oh, that doesn't happen to like season yeah. six, and it's like season three. Oh wow, he's already becoming a cop. Okay. And for whatever reason, in my mind, there's like an extra two seasons of content that don't exist. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. No, no, but like in a way you're basically saying the jokes are, I, I think you're basically saying that the jokes are fresh still in a way. Right. right. Because, because it, like, yeah, that, that's what it means to me. And, and that, and that's fine. Like, um, I'm not trying to take the words out of your mouth, but like, I would compare it. Uh, to my relationship with Parks and Recreation because it's not a show that I got into until uh, it was amazing too because I got I dated a girl who her favorite show was Parks and Recreation and for whatever fucking reason I never got into it at the time and then after the relationship ended I started watching it and now it's like yeah I see it the fuck shows awesome <laughs> it was one of those things where it was like um, you know like now that I'm watching it it's still very fresh. But the more I watch it, the more I appreciate it kind of thing. And I think that Greg Daniels comedy kind of has that to it. But like going back to your point, um, like it's just one of those things where, you know, I haven't seen it a million times. So I'm like, oh, like this character comes in and then this happens immediately. And then it doesn't happen for a couple seasons. Like it's almost a reverse. I don't know. Like it's just I feel like it's an unknown factor in a way. Like maybe the freshness kind of helps it uh help it helps at work i don't know yeah i always feel like i have less time with new girl than i think i do i guess is the way i'm okay I'm trying to say this yeah uh my my favorite new girl episode comes down to one of two um in terms of pure joke comedy it's probably all in which is season three episode one where 
Uh, Nick and Jess escaped to Mexico after uh, newly starting their relationship, and uh, they are then forced to drive down to Mexico to bail Nick out of hotel resort jail, which Jess assumes is actual Mexican jail, but uh the jokes that go along with that are absolutely hilarious especially when we find out that winston is colorblind um the the other one that comes close for me is actually season two episode two titled katie uh this is the first appearance of sam uh played by david walton oh my guy yeah josh gad shows up as bearclaw for the first time and nick has to deal with old nick a lunatic at the bar that claims to be him from the future. Uh, oh, wow. Two things that I absolutely love about this episode. Uh, one, the title, Katie, um, is the alias that Jess performs under during the episode, but ha- was originally um, planned to be Zoe Deschanel's sister Emily's character in the series. She just couldn't make her scheduling work out for whatever reason. That's cool. And the the other is the fact that the premonitions that fake future Nick makes uh, do come true in the future, which <laughs> I always loved. Like it's one of those things you don't know is happening at the time because you obviously don't know the future. But was, you so, what does he say it. though? Like I don't, I don't, I don't remember. I don't have the whole script in front of me, but like the big, the the two big things are is that he's going to hurt Jess in the future, which obviously. Sure. was very obvious this is going to happen. Yeah. And the other has something to do with a hot air balloon. I don't remember the context okay. of, of what, what happens with it. But, a few things uh, come true. Yeah, the hot air balloon does take place in the show uh, a few seasons later. Um, but yeah, like if, if you go back and, and watch it, it it's, it's pretty hilarious. Uh, Raymond J. Berry as old Nick, very well well done in, in that regard like he, he nails the aura of of what jake johnson's putting out there as the character so big fan picking up what he's putting out there uh okay so my number one is to no shock to anyone uh it's seinfeld i i would say at this point my twitter account has become a seinfeld meme account in a way oh, wow. uh if, if i can find any sort of joke to relate to seinfeld i do it Usually, I think I think the same is true as The Office. I mean, today I tweeted uh, "Happy Birthday, Recyclops," uh, as I mentioned Recyclops earlier. So, um, yeah, like I I I I try to make Seinfeld jokes as much as I can, but like at the end of the day, it is uh, it is one of only a few shows that I've ever seen in my life that just don't get old to me. It it just doesn't get old. Like, that's the thing. It's like, I'm not going to sit here and say that um, it's the best show and everyone needs to think it's the best show. You know what I mean? Like, you had it at three, and I was shocked you had it at three. And I'm one of those people where it's like, if people tell me they don't really like Seinfeld, I'm like, that. yeah, that's cool. Like, I, I get it. Like, I actually get why you wouldn't like the show. That's perfectly fine. Greatest sitcom of all time. Um, but for me, it just doesn't get old. It, it is genuinely my favorite, and it's not me sitting here saying like it's the greatest of all time. That's not why I like it. It's just genuinely my type of humor. I think it deserves the number one slot for me. Um, 
because I like it. It's not because it is the greatest and I like it because of that. So, um, yeah, I, I love it. Never gets old. Episode three of season eight, the bizarro Jerry. Uh, this is an episode where Elaine meets a group of friends. She was dating a guy. She gets to know his friends and their group of friends are essentially the bizarro version of, uh, her friends. So like complete opposite, but somewhat similar in every single way. Uh, basically they're exactly the same as her current friends, Kramer, Jerry, and George. Uh, but they're nice. They're friendly people. <laughs> it's uh, non-degenerates. You my, my God, it never gets old. And the funniest part about the episode is that Elaine doesn't fit in with them. It's not like she can't get past the niceness. It's like she's too mean for them. Never gets old. Fantastic. Um, big fan of the episode. Big fan of the series. So. Uh, no shock to me what was number one on your list, as I'm sure there's no shock to you what is number one on my list. It's the 70s show. Oh, I thought it was I Love Lucy, unfortunately. But... Look, MASH came close, but if they, they, they got <laughs> they got way too dark in the later season. They got deemed so... a drama, so you couldn't agree. Yeah. Give, give the first couple seasons a go, because like Alan Alda, he, he is, you like, at the end of the day, he is bar none the star of the show. And you can understand why when they lost the supporting characters around him, they continued to, you know, trudge along and, and make a go of it because he had that capability. Like he, he could do the drama thing and he did it fantastically. But at the start, the banter that he had with, um, I can't remember the name, but the character's name is uh, Trapper John. Um, the two of them living together as, as doctors and roommates were fantastic. The, the Colonel Henry uh, Joseph Blake, um, he was like, I remember when they killed his character off, it was like the, the signaling of the end. It was such a profound moment in, in television history where none of the cast members knew that they were going to kill this guy off. He, he was leaving. They knew that, but they thought, yeah. yeah, he went home and had a nice life in America. And, and here they go and, off-screen kill the character on purpose as a kind of like a fuck you to the to the actor that that stepped away from the role and it, it didn't stand well with the with the fans of the show it didn't stand well with the cast and and that kind of marked the change in in, in direction that they took but um in terms of pure comedy i would be hard pressed to find a better three four and a half seasons of, of television than, than what mash put out at the beginning i would say the only two the only two actors I can think of passing away during their life uh, or during my life, I guess that I appreciated before their passing away was um, James Gandolfini and Philip Seymour Hoffman, Mm. where I was, I was gutted, like absolutely gutted when they passed away. I, I think I'll probably be that way with Alan Alda and I'm not even a mash guy, but like, Alan Alda rocks like he he's he's fucking awesome man like he uh everything he's in like it's just like even like I I have his IMDB in front of me like it's just like he's in 30 rock like everything he does he he's awesome man he just seems like the nicest guy 
uh, great actor. Every role he's in, like every role he's in, even if he's playing like an evil guy, it's hard for you not to like him. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like they play him or they cast him, sorry, intentionally to be, even if he's an asshole for you to like him a little bit, you know? And, um, he's an awesome guy. His, his last two like film appearances, uh, granted four years apart, but I'm a big fan of both bridge of spies and, and marriage story. Like, Mm-hmm. Like, like for all the acclaim marriage story got for the other actors in that in that movie, mm-hmm. the fact that Alan Alda shows up they four years him. after his last role and it's just Great. like, yeah, I'm still Alan Alda. I still fucking kick ass. I'm yeah. I'm I'm, I'm going to grab the attention of the of the of the screen right now, and you know, there's nothing you can do about it. And it's fantastic. It was the amazing thing when I pulled up this page is I was just like, man, like Alan Alda's in everything, and I opened it and I'm like, no, I've just seen everything Alan Alda's in. <laughs> Like I've just seen, yeah. I've seen everything he does basically. But uh, he's also in uh, Thirty Rock for a few episodes there. Yeah, so. that, no, yeah. Well, and I was going to say too, like uh, I've heard good things about Ray Donovan. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but I hear good things, and I guess he's in that. So hmm. that's cool. Uh, your your number one, sir. Uh, it's the seventy show. Um, I know it does not end well. I know it it drops off very harshly in terms of its quality. I'll say it ends um, okay. I think it ends okay, given the circumstances. You're right. Sorry. The the ending but, is well. But the last three seasons. The, the way it gets there. It, it, it really trips over the, the finish way it gets line. there, yeah. yeah. I'll say last two. I think even season six is like... Season six I like. I'm it's a big okay. Fan of season six. Like, it's okay, yeah. but seven and eight suck. They're terrible. Like They're unwatchable. Even, even the first half of season seven is... For me, I like again, this is a show that I've got number one. So if you don't agree with me, I'm, I'm not going to hold it against you. But the first half of season seven, where they're still not sure whether uh, Topher Grace is coming back or not, like they're they're still making a, an honest go of it. Um, it's the same writers the whole way through. It's the same director the whole way through. Like nothing really changes on the production side of things um, until they have to make those those hard decisions with the actors that are leaving. And and figure out how to move on from them. And the right answer was to not, uh, but they did do that, obviously. Um, I don't know what it is about the show. It, it bridges a, a unique gap. Obviously, like everyone knows how well Happy Days was revered back in the '70s for being a '50s uh, oriented plot. Uh, the same is done in the late '90s for the '70s oriented plot. Um, they don't alienate the youth by sticking strictly to the nomenclature of, of the times like they like Kelso and his famous uh, introduction of the, the, the idea of the burn that that was a, a fantastic way to, to kind of relate back to the youth and, and introduce something new. And it was believable. Like you, you could believe you could see these kids in a small town, little city in, in bumfuck nowhere, uh, America coming up with those type of catchphrases uh, and it just didn't carry on into the larger zeitgeist of, of cultural America. I think every town has that. Like, you know, how many catchphrases does Thunder Bay have here uh, where we, yeah. we kind of all know what we're talking about, but you go anywhere, you go eight hours down the road, no one knows what the hell you're, you're trying to get across. But um, it, it's comedy gold for me. My favorite episode I've probably said this before. Uh, it is uh, just as 
uh, just as the great one war 99 on the uh, programs episode 99 is the greatest of the 70s show and it is Hyde's birthday from season four uh, <laughs> in which uh, Stephen Hyde turns 18 and uh, uh, the sweater yeah the sweater's great uh, the the whole gag about the, yeah. the the gang trying to cut down the high street sign to give to Hyde <laughs> and stealing Red's tools and there's you get a... this at the flea market <laughs> <laughs> you get this at the flea market he says there's oh, man, a... we had to cut down a whole ass sign. Yeah. Oh man, that's good. Kelso, what are you doing? I'm, I I I came to borrow a saw. We need a saw for oh, all this rabbit yeah. stuck in a tree. Mm-hmm. Why is a rabbit in a tree? Well, your son threw it up there. I want to release it back into the wild to lay its eggs. There's no down moment in that episode. I I absolutely love it. Wow. That's all I can say. Yeah. Yeah. My, I, I was shocked too because my initial, before I listened back to our initial episode to find out that my episode was Reefer Madness too. Like I said, like I love Reefer Madness, but I would have thought it was Garage Sale. And then uh, I figured yours would have been that too. But like, I, I'm surprised to find out because that is, uh, like, that, that actually might be the funniest episode of the series. Yeah. You know? Like yeah, like it's, it's pretty I, great. It's, it's very high up there, um, but yeah, it's that that's that's an incredible one too. It's just like I and I noticed something too with doing my list is like, you know, only a couple of them got the got the billing, but like the first episode of season two of a lot of series is very strong. Yeah, because like happy is. endings was mine. Uh, uh, that seventy show was in consideration for mine. I know Arrested Development was in consideration for mine. Uh, the Office would have been number two for uh, my favorite episode, which is the fun run. You know, like it's mm-hmm. just like there were there were a lot of options where it was just like uh, you know the second yeah. episode of a se- or the, for, sorry the first episode of a season. Uh, yeah, you know new, they new, come out swinging. New Girl and Thirty Rock, I, I definitely those were the case there. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't remember this. I don't remember home improvement. I don't remember everybody else dreaming per se. Um, like 70 show. You can't go wrong. Good I would fan, say, but not, not the second season, but um, if I were to give my favorite episode of everybody loves Raymond, it is a season premiere episode. Hmm. Um, and interestingly enough, and maybe this speaks to its longevity would have been season nine. Where wow. uh, they ship them off to the old folks' home. Is that season nine? Yeah, it's the last season. That seems so much later than I assumed it was. Well, but... that that's the last season. There's only nine seasons. Like that is the last season. Is is there not? Like, correct me if I'm wrong. Is there not a plot in in the sh- in the show where they try to send them off and it doesn't stick, and then they go back to it at the end? Though, am I getting that mixed up? Well, moderately throughout the show. But, uh, no, like, that's the only time where they're legitimately, they're going. Like, they're gone. And so... Because um, that's a great episode. Like It's, a, it's amazing. They don't get me off. wrong. I know the episode. but They sell the, ro- the, they sell the house to Robert yeah. for the price they paid for it, which was $26,000 to live in <laughs> suburban, suburban New Jersey. 
and uh and so it's their house and they're fucking so excited and uh the whole episode is like it, the whole episode is literally frank and marie being like we're moving we're going to this this place and then they all celebrate in the kitchen and they're fucking crying and they, they think it's the greatest thing ever and then they go and it's like fuck it like you're leaving kind of thing like a nice emotional goodbye episode but episode two is them going to visit them in the home. And like a third of the way through the episode, they're like, we want your parents to leave. Yeah. And they just they just <laughs> sit there. Crowd's laughing. Hey, they're just sitting there just like staring at them, just like kind of nodding. What do you mean leave? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like this whole think, thing, they just can't believe it's real. I think Robert's just setting up the home gym. At the house too, like he's at the Bowflex ring. Yeah, yeah well, no, exactly. So like they come yeah. back, and Marie's just like, "Look what you've done, the place. Look what you've set up in here. This is clearly a sex machine." Yeah. <laughs> and they still don't. They still don't quite get it. They like they think they're visiting, but like they're back for good. <laughs> no, th- those those two easily, easily my favorite episodes of that series. It's uh, unbelievable. I can't believe it's season nine, but did you have honorable uh, mentions? Honorable mentions. Um, Modern Family is up there for sure. Yeah, you got into um, that. Right? Yeah, I did. Um, Life in but Pieces. It was hard I, for you to leave it out. It's a great. Yeah. I like Life in Pieces. The the dynamic of the show there, where they kind of intertwine the different storylines. You like um, King of Queens too, eh? You're a King of Queens guy. Definitely. That's just. That's another one where I've never actually seen it in order, like sat down and, and, and done it justice. So I didn't I didn't want to jump on it. It rocks. I feel like there was something else that was missing, but I um, think it's the most underrated sitcom for me. It might I, be. I, I yeah. think I, I I just no one thinks of it as being funny. Mm-hmm. And it's it's incredibly funny. Like it's 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 a top twenty of all time for me, I think. I don't know. That's fair. I can I can see that. Cool. Okay. Well, I think that's been a very wow. extended uh, episode of the top ten. But yeah. uh, it's sitcoms, so what are you going to do? They're, yeah. They last long, we last a big long. One. We didn't go as long as MASH, which was nice. But uh, I'm still James Cole. Happy Earth Day. Uh, spend it wisely. Recycle. Remember to uh, to get your, your flu shot. Or I, I don't know how Earth Day works. I don't like what you're supposed to do on. It's over now, I guess. doesn't matter. Do what you want. Uh, don't litter. And be kind to others is my message today. I'm Roots Pataglia. You can find me on the high button. We'll uh, see you later. We'll see you when we see you. That we will. All right. I'm telling you, this place is perfect. You're going to make friends in no time. Get me out of here! Here, just eat that! Leave us alone! Uber
SUVs. We used to ride around the city streets. Only six of us, but we would pull up like we 50 deep. If you want to hang with us, you got to bring some drugs at least. Life was seen. Pull up, make a scene like a Steve McQueen. Flights at Atlantis, the drip outlandish. I just spent 10 racks and sacks fifth in the standard. I ain't never asked to be this way. I ain't planning. It It starts with good intentions. I end up doing damage. Look, I'ma tell you how this ends before it even starts. I might have to make amends after I break your heart. I'ma flirt with all your friends and then we break apart. If our story was a play, it'd be a tragedy. There's a reason why my exes all still mad at me. And that's another love I killed, another casualty. How this thing go from a blessing to catastrophe? It's a travesty. I can't help I'm it. a professional bad decision maker. I know I broke your heart, but I love you regardless. Professional bad decision maker. Know the end is the hardest. Wish I could restart it. Professional bad decision maker. Wish that I could be honest. I love you regardless. Professional bad decision maker. Yeah, I'm a professional bad decision maker. They should write a movie about the shit that we did. Deviated septums from the drugs that we did You think I learned from my past But I'm a creature of habit We had so much gone for us, man What happened is tragic My girl is a savage Bad influences all around me Drunk at bag and tail All drunk My table is rowdy Had to let go of alley I regret if I'm honest I'm draped in designer Said I needed the one And I found her Now she's back in Portland Had to say this shit is important I ruined everything I love Man, this shit is like torture Sorry that you had to deal with it Rehashing old wounds Still won't let you heal with it Yo, you hear this shit? Yeah Skizzy back on this shit again 5K for the fit again Fucked up at the win again Me and my dogs the same like a synonym It's ridiculous I can't help I'm it. a professional bad decision maker I know I broke your heart But I love you regardless Professional bad decision maker Know the end is the hardest Wish I could restart it Professional bad decision maker Wish that I could be honest I love you regardless Professional bad decision maker Yeah, I'm a professional bad decision maker